like, oh, well, there goes my safety record. And my buddy turns around. He's like, what? He got you? And I'm like, yeah, he's got me. You know, and then we just changed gears. I was like, all right, folks. So the show you get to see today is how you get your hand out of an alligator's mouth. Welcome to From the Ground Up, where we talk to reptile keepers and breeders about all things cold-blooded. Sit back and have a beer with us. Well, some of you are driving. If you're driving, keep your hands tended to and enjoy the show. Is this a G-rated thing? Oh, this is most definitely not a G-rated podcast. That is my oh. new thing I have to state in the beginning because we got some flack for it. We didn't get some flack um, Some, and I just want to, I don't want to get any future flack. Hey guys, welcome to <laughs> From the Ground Up. And we're live talking about the times that we caught flack about who knows what. But this is the not PG <laughs> From the Ground Up podcast. Not the PG. parental advisory beforehand. <laughs> um, as always, you can buy our snakes online at portcitypythons.com. We are also posted on Morph Market. We have just a few babies left for the season, and then we are starting all over. Back Hopefully in like two weeks, we'll be able to ship stuff out. I feel like March is the time yeah. where like it's a little bit warmer and we'll be able to ship stuff out. Um, but you can also message us on Instagram or Facebook at Port City Pythons. Port City Python shirts. T-shirts. Logo T-shirts. Is there an update on the Orient Society shirt? Uh, so there is. So, I mean, I don't want to say too much. We have it all designed and all specced out. And it looks like right now we're going to be able to get like $12 a shirt for each shirt that we sell. Okay. And uh, shirts will probably be around $20 or so. And then that $12 will go directly to the Orient Society. The rest obviously goes towards the cost of the shirt. So right. update on that. But it's not all in stone yet. And we're going to probably have someone on too. Uh, we, we made ground on that. Thank you, Pia uh, Bertolini, for that. Thanks, Pia. She caught us in contact with someone from the Orange Society who we can hopefully have on the podcast to talk about all the great things they do. And like, that'll be like the launch kind of that'll be the launch the of the partnership. Are we going, are we telling too much? I don't know. But, Go on, Nathan. What were you going to say? Is that the Orian uh, down in, uh, down here? Yeah. So they work throughout Florida, Georgia, Alabama, I believe doing, um, you know, conservation work on the indigos. I know. I'm I'm friends with uh, shout out to Michelle and Nick over at the Orient. That's, That's who, who we're gonna we're have on the to. podcast. Hopefully, is Michelle. Whoa! You just announced it. Oh no! Wow! Yeah, she's awesome. She's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so we we look forward to to talking to her, hopefully, or someone involved. So we're still kind of working out those details. Other than that, Patreon supporters, thank you guys all for. Existing. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it allows us to do this podcast at least once a week and drink beers and talk about reptiles. No, let's not. Patreon doesn't allow us to drink beers. <laughs> yeah, that's your true. Patreon, we, we were doing not, that anyway. Your Patreon money is not going towards <laughs> the purchase of beers. Let me clarify that. But, but if you want to donate to our Patreon, it is available. <laughs> got to start a separate donation for the beer fund. <laughs> the yeah, beer you fund. join the category. <laughs> Because we drink such, be a such uh, expensive future. beers here, you know. Yes, Yingling. Really, so, 
so expensive out there. But because our we're so good at doing intros, our guest today is Nathan Sweeting, who is the founder and director of Smooth Waters Wildlife Park. Stop doing the mouth thing when I'm talking. Because <laughs> I didn't know, I know if you, you were going to if I was going to get it right. I, I know I you was thought I was going to fuck intro. it up, and so you were just <laughs> mouthing know. it. You weirdo. I was probably I got it. Smooth Waters Wildlife Park. Oh yeah, we were reading off the teleprompter that we got. <laughs> Thank yeah, you, you Patreon. Standing there with the cue cards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's our producer. He's behind the camera. <laughs> um, so Nathan, give us a little background on how Smooth Waters Wildlife Park came to be. Um well that's a long story. I don't know if we have enough time for that. But uh basically in a nutshell, Smooth Waters is a uh, smaller zoo slash crocodile park. So it's real heavy on alligator, crocodile, reptiles in general. So we got a lot of cool stuff and we'll eventually expand a little bit into birds we grow. Um, but right now our, our main focus is uh, internally, you know, a lot of conservation related, anything we can get involved in, um, lots of educational related stuff. And then um, for our guests, um just a ton of fun smiles and crocodiles that's kind of our <laughs> oh i like that really yeah it's got it's got some flow to it so you know we can have a lot of fun with the guests make them laugh and smile and have a good time get a little interactive with certain things and then um open the door to talk to them about you know conservation and uh it's mostly croc related conservation um but uh but it's a lot of fun um we officially opened the park to the public what was it in july this past july was our one year anniversary so i guess we're about a year and a half a little over a year and a half in now and it's off to a really good start we've been doing tons of field trips and uh, you know stuff out in the community and so i think it'll just keep growing from here but i've been in the zoo and entertainment industry for over 20 years professionally um working with this stuff and then this was always the goal and we finally kind of had an opportunity um it was somewhat of a trip and fall accident to kind of fast track our goal of opening a park so um, if you don't mind me asking so we, what was that trip and fall accident um it was uh, like you know after you know i went through the kind of zookeeping aspect of things and then up into management and then break you know jumped out of the institution side of it and helped to um I started helping companies, you know, or smaller attractions develop and grow and, and, and start and then do program development and eventually animal brokering between different facilities. Um, and it started my own company. And from there, you know, we finally had enough money set aside to put as like a down payment on a property and start this as more of a 10 year project. And then one day, um, uh, some of my contacts with uh, Florida Fish and Wildlife called me up and said, hey, I know you're shopping around. Well, just so you know, there was this guy a few years back that had this um, kind of private facility and he passed away. Uh, we don't know if it's still there or not, but after we moved all the animals out last we heard, um, you know, it was just basically an abandoned property and we don't know what's going on. So long and the short of it is I dug into that a little bit and um, connected with the guy's old business partner who was not an animal guy, um, but he was kind of along for the ride. And uh, basically just sitting on the property, bleeding money. And, um, you know, I said, what are you going to do with it? And he's like, well, I kind of want to sell it, but I don't want to see it destroyed. So I'm on the fence. And I was like, well, I'd like to do this. And he was like, well, make me an offer. And I was like, I'm broke. So it's going to be like, <laughs> and he's like, he's like, well, shake my hand and we'll figure it out. You know, so, I mean, he basically was just like, cool, let's work with it. 
you know. Um, so there's a little bit more to it than that, but ultimately, you know, he was totally on board for for our goals and what we wanted to do. And then we just dumped everything we had in savings into renovating the daylights out of it and uh, turning it into what it is now. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's literally we tripped and <laughs> fell into the opportunity of a lifetime, really. Um, I, and then all the animals that we have here, all the all the big crocs and and I'd say about 90 percent of everything that's here now, we just had housed um, at other other facilities until we had our own place uh, to move them to. So some of them, shoot, I've had for probably over 10 years. They were just at other other parks or zoos or wherever. So, yeah, I think you're making like 90 percent of people who are listening to this extremely jealous (laughs) yeah i mean it's well i mean if nothing else it's kind of almost like that we bought a zoo movie except for that we had nothing to start with and a little less tragedy but a little bit a little more struggle in different ways uh than in the movie um but but yeah i mean it's it's kind of the it that's what it felt like to me was like oh this is like a made for tv movie this is ridiculous this doesn't really happen this way you know but you know, I mean, if you have a goal, don't don't derail your own goal. You know, if you have it, keep working towards it and don't take any step backs or steps back, you know, and just keep moving forward. And eventually you get what you want to get, you know. And now how many um, how many how much is like the acreage there and kind of what enclosures did you have to build? What was already there? Some stuff here. So foundationally, you know, there was a lot of concrete where like so um there's there's a lot of big man i wish it was daytime out there i could give you a little virtual tour of the place and stuff but um there was a lot of big like concrete concrete that's that's not (laughs) quite concrete it's it's almost like a twitter version of concrete concrete um (laughs) there was these big like square rectangle uh concrete uh walled yards um and those were for all like the tortoise i could have just said tortoise yards those were already there um, so there was a lot of really good structural work already in place. Um, but because it was abandoned for a few years, the earth pretty much took it back. Like by the time I got in there, put a hole through a bamboo wall to find the entrance. That's how much overgrown it was. And, um, and then it looked like the first five minutes out of, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I thought for sure we'd find a treasure chest and a boulder coming after me. And, um, but so luckily there was a lot of the bare bones already there. Uh, so mostly what we had to do is just renovate the daylights out of it. Um, you know, comply with, you know, the state caging requirements and standards for this type of thing, and then replace just about every lick of chain link fence in the place. Um, and anything that had, you know, been knocked down by a tree or, you know, so lo- lots of structural repair stuff, a lot of modifications to things, but luckily there was already, some natural ponds in play. And uh, so most of our enclosures are about as natural as you can possibly get in a captive situation, which is great for the crocs and the caiman and all that good stuff. Um, Even the giant, you know, even monitors and stuff like that. So, I mean, they're just having a ball in there and it's, it's really cool. So we were lucky in that sense. We didn't have a ton of money, but the money we had was spent pretty darn wisely and, and got us a lot further than I think we should have got. So and how do you 10 acres 10 acres total to work with and right now we're not even using half of that so we have a lot of room to grow oh wow so yeah and what are like the extra considerations when taking something that i mean used to be used for tortoises and using it for crocs um 
luckily, I mean, we didn't really have to convert that. Okay, so the tortoise yards, the way they were, honestly, we could have converted those into, um, you know, some decent size uh, crocker alligator exhibit type things. And we may do that with a couple of them because some of the walls um, on some of them were like four feet high. Um, so then just to meet requirements, you know, you just kind of raise that up maybe with some glass, um, you know, uh, uh, like end rigger type things, um, or, or something like that. And you can modify that and that's extra time and money for that. Um, but luckily the guy was like a big time, I guess he was doing a lot of exotic turtle breeding, like water turtles. So he already had a bunch of ponds. Mm-hmm. there so we basically just had to wall you know fence those off and just kind of enclose them a little bit and make them suitable for containing crocodiles or alligators or, or whatever so in that respect i mean we were if you ever get a chance to come down and visit come by and see the place and it'll make a lot more sense but i mean you you'll be probably pretty yeah you'll probably be jealous <laughs> yeah that's for sure but it was definitely like oh boy like i got a lot of friends uh, and colleagues that were like, oh, man, you got that place because they had heard about it before we did, you know, and, and not that they were going to make a play on it. But they were like, oh, man, that place was set up pretty cool. So but I'm sure you, know, you still uh, did a bit of kind of risking it all in taking the property and building it up and everything. Well, well, I mean, because, well, here's the thing. So so, yeah, there was a template already there and there was some there's some structure and some enclosures. But I mean between the time that he passed away and the time that I'm trying to jump in and get the place permitted, it doesn't necessarily get grandfathered in. When somebody passes away, the property just ceases to exist as far as that goes. So you can get certain things um, covered and the state will say, yeah, we can just kind of keep that grandfathered or they just, they can say no. Um, So in terms of, it could have been super, super, super costly to um get up to speed with certain um regulations now like if i were to do it today versus two years ago or three years ago like it's it's way different now not way different but i mean there are a few new um that's like caging requirement wise to where it would be like oh man that's gonna cost an extra 20 grand we don't have that you know so do the requirements change extensively year per year Was that? Do the do the requirements change extensively year per year? No, not not usually year to year. Um, but you, um, they 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 did make a lot of changes to uh, certain things, not related to crocs, but uh, but other species this past year, which just caught some people off guard. So that's kind of a hot button issue right at the moment. But um, um, it's not usually every year. I mean, there's always like addendums that are added, like oh, okay, so. And, and more often than not, it's just something like they're tying up loopholes, you know, where they see something like, oh, shoot, well, that's that gets a little confusing. So let's tighten that up. Or um, I, I'd say maybe you get some some real decent changes, probably, I don't know, maybe like every five years. OK. And decent, not meaning good. It's just like a, a, a big, hard hit, like substantial thing. Like I think uh, 2010 or 2012, uh, there was a big change in just your land requirement size. So prior to 2010 or 12, you didn't have to have a minimum acreage requirement for XYZ animal. And now you have to have five acres or 10 acres in order to have 
certain species, you know, so that's a big, that can hit somebody real hard. Other than, or if like, let's say you got your hours to require for the permits, you know, and you're like, Oh, I'm going to get them this year. And then all of a sudden it's like, you put it down and they're like, Nope, that's changed. Now you have to submit this, this, and this. And you're like, you know, so. So do you have a certain like amount of time you need to spend with a mentor in order to get licensed for some crocodilians? Uh, we will talk, sir. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's sort of. I mean, there is a requirement, and this varies and differs from state to state. But in the state of Florida, you have you don't. It's not so much a mentor thing, but they do require. Like so, let's say for crocodiles or alligators, um, you're talking about class one and class two animals, and then there's class three, which is like tortoises and other stuff. Um, but for like crocodiles, for example, you have to have a thousand hours of work experience with them. You have to have at least one year minimum uh, paid work experience in a licensed facility. And then you have to submit two letters of recommendation from people that are permitted. Actually, I think it's only one person has to be permitted. And then the other one can be from anybody. Um, So it's it's just a matter of like, you know, uh, if you get a job at a zoo or something, you just document your hours. There's nothing really official official with that. I mean, it's but they do want to see those hours submitted. Um, that you were working with the animals. You, so you understand the husbandry and the care requirements and all those types of things. And then the application process is pretty easy and straightforward. But if it's the first time you're filling that thing out, man, that gets, it's all sorts of weird and confusing. But I mean, I got, I've been doing it for years and years and years filling out that stuff. So it's just kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, da, 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 there you go. You know, it's, it's easy now. Now it's just, now it just hits you in the pocketbook. But Initially, yes, there's requirements. There are some, <laughs> there are some uh, uh, volunteer hours and stuff, and I don't know if those are valid anymore. I mean, there's ways. Like, so if somebody comes down to Florida, or if you go to Texas, or you go to anywhere um, that has a lot of the the croc and alligator facilities, there are ways to get in and you know mentor or in or work directly uh, and get hours. You know, so it's not out of the realm of possibility for anyone really. Yeah. Cause I would and think that a lot of people would be like, Oh, I gotta be a Zeke, a zookeeper, right. which means that I probably have to have a degree in order to get my do paid hours to do, you know, to get the animals that I would no. like. No. And no, you don't. Um, I mean, it's not bad if you can do that. I mean, the only problem with the zookeeper thing is that it's, it's a hard one to get into. Um, because a lot of zoos do require, um, like a minimum two year college experience, um, to get into a direct keeper position, but that's not the only way in, um, myself included. And a lot of people that I know, um, we all dropped out of college because somebody offered us a job doing exactly what we wanted to do right away and get paid to do it. So it was kind of like, eh, that one on the back burner. And then, you know, but that was like 20 years ago. So now it's changed a little bit and, um, uh, but quite a few people I know now, um, I, I was going to say quite a few kids. Yeah. They're 20 something years old. I'm just getting old now. Um, but they, you know, they jumped in and started in, they didn't have the basic requirements for the job position. So they, they came in under the radar in a different department or, um, as a volunteer or a docent or an educator or whatever, and then worked their way up and transferred. So it's doable, but you don't have to do. There's tons of different facilities that are out there um, 
like rescue type facilities or anything like that, that always need help and you can always get into and you can get, you know, it depends on what your motivation is. I mean, if you want to open your own park or you want to get your permits or you want to do X, Y, Z, you know, you can, uh, I don't know. I'm rambling now. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> well, if anybody out there listening is interested and they want to learn how to do these things and they need advice, like don't be afraid to ask questions of anybody. We have Facebook and everything now. So, I mean, you can reach out to anybody um, on any level and just say, Hey, what do you think I should do? And if they don't give you an answer, go to the next person and keep going. Eventually somebody you're going to run into me or somebody else that's more than happy to at least point you in a direction. Absolutely. Now, obviously, it seems like Florida would be the place if you are <laughs> the into ideal. these animals, but did you grow up in Florida? Hey, I'm a diehard born and raised Floridian. I I love Florida. I love the climate and all that type of stuff. I would say it's probably, um, I mean, unless you're, you really like doing lots of paperwork and crossing your T's and dotting your I's, Florida is not really the place. Um Florida has the strictest, the strictest wildlife laws in the country. Like, I mean, if you can, if you can hold your own here, you'll be fine anywhere. Um, but a lot of people, you know, jump ship in Florida and go over to Texas because they like the way it's, I mean, it's not that it's easy. It's not as uh, restrictive, but it's the, the regulations and stuff are, are different. It really just kind of depends. If you like the humidity, if you like walking outside in the summer and feeling like you're walking around in jello, <laughs> then this is the place for you. <laughs> now, what, what animals upon, I mean, first opening the park, I mean, what were some of the first animals that you brought over? And, and did you have like priority? How did you decide like what your priorities of what you wanted to have first in there? Um, that was, that, that gets tricky so i mean priority was um i wanted to get i wanted to try and do everything like really efficiently and and do it all um um like in one fail swoop you know so all the crocodiles and was i able to do all the crocodiles and all the i was able to almost move all of the alligators and crocodiles in one day wow and we're talking probably somewhere at that time, it was somewhere around a hundred animals. How? Wait, Can wait, you wait, talk wait, a little wait. bit about transporting them? Yeah, yeah. This Rain, is our well, dumb question it, number one. How do you transport a crocodile? Well, all I'm going to say is if you get into this industry and you decide to rent a U-Haul, you don't have to tell them what you're moving. <laughs> and you probably shouldn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Love you, U-Haul. <laughs> but... Um, so, I mean, the animals we were moving, <clears throat> the alligators and the crocs at the time, I think the size range was somewhere around, <clears throat> you know, it was about 100 animals, but it was like words of 30, 13 feet. So our biggest one was 13 feet, you know, and then the smallest, probably 20 or 30 of them were, you know, four foot ish um, or something like that. So <clears throat> the smaller ones, obviously easier. The bigger ones, it just took lots of friends and. Um, that's, that's, that's not as hard as you would think, um, coordinating it, you know, we, you know, I had a lot of experience with coordinating catches, whether it was for, you know, um, moving stuff around or just, you know, kind of project management really. But, um, so I just, you know, you'd be surprised. It's all you got to do is make a couple phone calls to a couple different zoos where you're friends with the keepers and say, Hey, we're catching crocs on this day. You want to come? And they're like, yeah, and they put in vacation time and everything. So, you know, people are usually, you know, really raring to go when you say, hey, it's croc catch, 
you know, day or something. But um, so that was tough. And, and kind of that was the priority. Like everything else was pretty easy and could move in slowly. But surely the first animals that were coming in <clears throat> were it, it all it all had to do with permits, really. I mean, that's that's what took priority. So like tortoises, um, you don't have to have the facility permitted for tortoises to have them on site. Does that okay. make sense? Because you, yeah, can, so you, can, you can have them as a pet. So, yeah. So we weren't open to the public when we moved the animals here, but the uh, the alligators or the crocodiles or some of the big snakes or whatever the case is has to have a, a permit. Um, you can't have on property until it's permitted. Um, so, you know, we were really, really trying to get everything up to code um, as fast as possible. And then once they signed off and said, okay, you're good to go, here's your green light. And then it was like the next day, boom, let's move it. I'm still trying to envision moving a hundred crocodiles in one day, even (laughs) with a big ass U-Haul. It wasn't a hundred crocodiles. It was probably maybe 20 crocodiles, but the most, most of the rest of all that was all alligators. But, but even 20 crocodiles, all adults, you know, um, it was a long day. I think we started at like five o'clock in the morning and I don't think I um, was locking gates and cleaning up until about three or four in the morning. Okay. So, <laughs> that makes sense. So, like when you say almost, a day, you mean like 24 hours. Like yeah, literally, <laughs> yeah, literally, I think we almost did a 24 hour, you know, thing. Holy it was a 24 hour work day almost. So. And now what species do you keep at the park? Um, uh, as far as crocodiles go, we have Siamese crocs, uh, Nile crocodiles, the, um, the, uh, West African crocodile, which used to be the Nile croc too. Um, so that's a new species, uh, New Guinea crocodiles, alligators, Morlet crocodiles, a few different species of caiman. Um, and I think that covers all the crocs. So a handful of different croc species. Then we got some, uh, you know, some big, big monitors and a whole big handful of tortoises and uh, of tortoises and whatnot. And, and we'll keep growing it from there. So as far as the crocodilians go and alligators, stuff like that, I mean, can they stay out in Florida all year long without any worries about the cold? Or? Um, I wouldn't say without any any worries, but yeah, pretty much, yes. So we can know all year long um, with uh, we do get a little concerned right in the middle of wintertime, but there, you know, um, where we're at, we're pretty good. Like the water stays pretty warm, even on our lows. Um, and, and don't get mad at me for this, but, you know, I mean, a cold, cold night for us is in the 40s. You know, sometimes it'll drop into the 30s, but not for very long. Um, so luckily we can just turn on our well water and that nice 70 to 72 degrees all year round. So that can help warm stuff. So we do have that advantage here. So up North, you know, even up in uh, Northern Florida and once you get into Georgia, they don't benefit anymore. So um, they get a little worried. And then once you get up there in New York or whatever, a lot of uh, smaller facilities, up there only operate i think six months out of the year and they just lock it down because it's too dang cold for stuff so um yeah we can operate all year not freak out too much now a little bit now 
I guess something that that we don't talk about in snakes, which is very prevalent in say monitors and crocodilians behavior. So can you tell us a little bit about like some species you work with and kind of the behavioral things that you do? Because I was watching, obviously Dorian, Dorian took a video of you and you essentially called an alligator into your lap. And like, it wasn't even, uh, you know, it was a young alligator and you basically called it into your lap. Can you kind of explain about some of the training and behavior that you see? I mean, I could sit there and talk your ear off for the next three days straight without taking a breath on that stuff. But um, <laughs> it's, I mean, when you get down to it, just a lot smarter than we give it credit for, um, you know, and, um, you know, so crocodilians specifically, I mean, they are just phenomenally more intelligent than we than we think and they catch on bam, like that i mean the same way the same techniques you use to train a dog or a cat or a horse or a co-worker um you can use with alligators and crocodiles um what's really fun about that is uh, communication gap because that's all the training really is is just communication uh, once you bridge that gap individual personalities of each animal and then their specific likes and dislikes and they do have that and they do feel pleasure and pain just like anything else and i don't want to be misleading but i you know like i don't throw around like tame uh, or anything like that like you're not going to tame them or demand um but you can build a relationship on on so it's a lot like being a teacher to a bunch of middle school age kids you know, where they all know the rule do's and the don'ts, but does every kid follow them? No. You do have some class clowns. You do have some troublemakers that are just basically waiting for you to not pay attention um, before they start throwing spit, spit wads at you. You know, so you have to be on point and, and really kind of recognize uh, the individuals and then study the behaviors, too. So, um <clears throat> That's kind of that in a nutshell. But ultimately, the training thing, you know, we do training with everything here. So it's the crocs, the, the lizards, the tortoises, turtles, everything. Um, and one of the awesome byproducts that I've seen um, is, for one, it makes you can make your work environment a lot safer. You know, so I can get in the enclosures and the animals, is, let's say the Nile crocodiles, they know we walking through the gate. They know if I'm in there to feed, work or train. Um, and if I'm just in there to work, like cut branches and, and, and that type of thing, then um, they basically act accordingly. They're just kind of like, oh, he's just here doing that thing. Let's go back to sleep. And they don't care. They leave me alone. Um, again, you don't want to let your guard down, but it does make it safer. Um, plus, overall, it makes their lives a lot happier, healthier, a lot less stressful. Um, and uh, our guests get to see the animals being active all the time. They just act like crocs. They act like lizards. They act like they would normally act if we're not watching them, or at least as close as you can get while they're being watched. But, you know, the biggest problem we have here is when we have field trips explaining what all the tortoises are doing to each other, crocs, you know, and it's like they're just wrestling. Yeah, they're so comfortable that they don't care that everybody days around and they just kind of do their thing so you will see a lot of courtship behaviors and mating behaviors sometimes and that gets a little awkward <laughs> now are you attempting to breed them or are you just letting some whatever of it, happen, yeah. some happen? Of it we don't uh, okay let's just say across the board i don't care if they 
do successfully. Um, what I like to see is the behavior. Like, so if they are doing their courtship behaviors, you know, uh, or whatever that species does naturally, um, then, um, then that's a good sign. It's a sign that they're comfortable and not, and they're, uh, it's just like with us or anything else. If, if you're just stressed, if there's just too much going on, um, then the last thing on your mind is, the funner things in life you know you're not thinking about you know anything other than that stuff that's just really weighing down on your head and um so when we see that that's great um if if it's not productive and they're just you know one of them's sterile or something like that or it's just not not producing whatever then we don't really care that's not uh um yeah i mean that's not what we're trying to do uh if we can um some of the species yes so the siamese crocs if we can get those breeding and producing that's great because those guys are almost extinct in the wild and if we can get the the hatchlings or those in the conservation stuff and the reintroduction then that's great um we have a couple other species that are in that kind of same boat so if we can use that for conservation stuff then great um if the monitors start breeding and we have baby tortoises and stuff okay wonderful you know we can always use that to buy sell and trade with other zoos and parks and stuff and then get other stuff you know um so so i guess we're trying but not really trying right right if it happens cool yeah yeah Yeah. now rewinding a little bit so say with the niles how do you build that relationship as far as they know when you're in there cleaning they know when it's feeding i mean what are you doing to kind of nature that or nurture that relationship rather uh it's all uh bribery and extortion (laughs) (laughs) i'm i'm kidding but kind of not um so with niles you know it's it's kind of interesting because they don't initially look at you as look at you as food but i mean ultimately you're kind of like a singing dancing cheeseburger you know (laughs) so so when you go in like um one big mistake uh make is that when you know let's say you're going in to feed um certain species or any of them for that matter even just alligators that don't normally eat us but they're walking in with a bucket of food the animals are queuing into that they know what the habit looks like it doesn't take them long to realize, oh, that's the food bucket. Oh, the bucket sounds like this. The keys sound like this, you know. And then when you walk in and that thing starts barreling down at you where it's towards the gate, you know, the natural instinct is to take that chicken and start throwing it at them. And guess what? They stop every single time. So you throw the food at them. It's effectively training the keeper to get them to stop. So it's it's kind of backwards. So sometimes I've had that hurdle where I have to retrain it. And things when you're trying to teach somebody, you say, okay, don't back down. But that's confusing. <laughs> it's like, don't back down doesn't mean stand still. You know, stand your ground means to you, you know you don't want to run away and off of it. But you can move to the side, or you can make it more difficult for them to come at you, and you're still engaging. Um, and uh, and then it's just a matter of reinforcing and rewarding the behavior you want. So you just start yelling at them, hold, hold, hold. And the second they hold, you you uh, you give them a reward. You you feed them um, and then you keep repeating that, repeating that, repeating that. And just like your dog at home, it doesn't know that his name is Fluffy until you've used it enough to where he's like, oh, I get it. That's my name. 
I see. Okay. And now you know your name, you know, so it's the same type of thing. Um, with the, uh, I do use the singing, dancing cheeseburger analogy because, you know, sometimes, yeah, I mean, it, they do see us uh, as food sometimes. It's one of the few species that does. So um, think about it like this. You know, if you went and sat down or somebody brought you a cheeseburger right now and you're like, oh, that thing looks good. And you're getting ready to dive in and grab it. And the cheeseburger jumps up and just starts winging French fries into your mouth and says, wait a second, check this out. Look at this trick I can do. You know, you might be, I mean, you're probably going to be freaked out to begin with, but you might be like, huh, well, this is entertaining and I don't have to do anything. Now feeding me, sure, I'll, I'll let this slide for a little bit. So that gives you that little bit of wiggle room, that open door to, to kind of convince them, hey, look, it's more in your best interest to not look at me that way and, um, and work with me instead of against me type of deal. And then you can kind of bridge from there. So that's how I look uh, at it. Speaking of food, a uh, noob question, do different species of crocs get a different variety in their diet? No, oh, uh, we strictly feed them uh, McDonald's. Um, <laughs> Cheeseburgers and French fries. Get Taco Bell. They don't like <laughs> Just kidding. Um, um, yeah, sort of. Okay, so yeah, I mean, if like the certain species, you you will have some that are like more, you know, along the lines of like fish eaters. You know, they'll eat a lot of fish or snails or small things that they just kind of find in the water. Um, and then you'll have other stuff that just huge variety in their diet. Um, that's one of the trickiest things about uh, um, captive management. Um, ew, no, my battery is getting low. You were right. Oh, I think I fixed it. Um, the is trying to balance that diet and get the kind of variety that you would normally see them getting in the wild, you know, especially with the vitamins and nutrients and all that stuff they're getting. So we, we, we feed them all a special zoo diet as a staple. Uh, it's called crock chow. Uh, it's made, made by a company called Missouri. That really, I mean, I've been working with that company. I mean, not directly, but I've been using their stuff and following that company for good 18, 20 years now while they were developing the diet. And, uh, that it is top notch. I mean, you want to talk about just just hitting the full spectrum of, uh, you know, the vitamin and nutrient contents and the, the proteins and all that type. Amazing. So that really kind of helps um, make sure that each species is getting exactly what they need. And um, and then we can supplement with other things if we want. And then our enclosures, we have the benefits of uh, allowing them to just have have free reign of the snack cabinet they're natural so there's frogs and fish and everything else you can think of comes and goes constantly so i mean there's a video uh, on our page right now our facebook page that i caught the other day that some guests were like hey what are they doing in the back i'm like i don't know let me go see so i walk back in with the niles and they caught a raccoon i was like <laughs> you know so i got a little video of it hey guys look at this check that out how so, bloody and gory is that? The kids were well, scarred. We were happy. By, by then, by then it wasn't bloody or gory at all. I mean, you couldn't tell what it was. The only reason I knew what it was was because I, because they're all hanging on to it and kind of tearing and rolling and doing whatever they're doing. You know, I could walk right up into them and I was looking and I was like, oh, there's the fluffy tail. I see it. But, you know, by the time they already did the deed and they're, you know, I mean, it basically just looks like a big chunk of steak. You can't tell what it is. Um, so it wasn't crazy gory or anything. So it is somewhere anywhere near them. That's a dumb <laughs> well, raccoon. 
Nice. I, I didn't see oh, well, the raccoons. Yeah. Well, it probably didn't know, you know, I mean, it yeah, probably like, was on the trail. <laughs> Can't well, smell them. I mean, think about it though. Like if you've never seen a crocodile before and you smell something weird, what's the first thing you're thinking of? It's like, Oh, Ted farted, you know, or you don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah. You, you just know? go check it out. <laughs> it smells like gym socks over here. I don't know what that is. And it turns out to be a velociraptor. You don't know, you know? So so maybe it just didn't know, but, um, it, but then the, the thing is too, I mean, there's a ton of turtles in the ponds and stuff like that. So it, there could have been, I don't think there wasn't any, uh, turtle eggs or anything, but the raccoons are always scouting around for stuff like that. So oh, if there were bird okay. eggs or something nearby, it was probably coming in foraging around and then crocs are sneaky too. So, I mean, it was probably, it may have just come over to the edge of the water to get, get a drink or wash its paws or Maybe it caught a snail and it's dipping the snail in the water to clean it off because raccoons are weird like that. And it chose a bad pun. And the croc was just dumb hamburger. (laughs) (laughs) So So there's no worries, though, of them eating native wildlife. I mean, there's not much that could come of it as far as like vectors for anything. No. I mean, any native wildlife that comes in there, I mean, it's technically fair game, but you're not going to have that in any kind of volume to where mm-hmm. even if I had a thousand animals here and I decimate anything to that level. Plus, I mean, if you had, it's, it's kind of like zombie apocalypse related stuff, you know? So if you, and just every time one of your friends went to that area, I was getting killed by zombies. It's like, you know what, let's just not go there, you know? So, so that kind of stuff, um, you know, all the birds and the other wildlife would just say it's just way too risky and they're going to stay away. Um, fortunately, we don't have that issue. So we do have I, it is really cool, but we do have a ton of just native wildlife that does come here for almost sanctuary reasons. And they'll they'll hang out in here. So we do we get that plus side, too. But, yeah, we don't have any there wouldn't be any issues uh, with anything like that. But. Now, I've seen things about, uh, in particular, say, alligators that, I mean, you can basically call them by name. I mean, have you seen any, like, they know certain sounds from another? I mean, you can call one and not the other. I mean, what's the deal with that? Yeah. yeah they Well, yeah, like I was saying, like with the dog before, it's the same thing. Like, you can teach them their, as, as long as you use their name in that context, they'll learn it. And we have a whole, they all know their names. And they'll all have, uh, sometimes we'll do that a lot for like, uh, like feeding purposes or, um, veterinary related stuff. So they'll have their specific stations. So it's like, Hey, it's feeding time. And it's like, you know, Lucy, you go to your spot, lumpy, you go to your spot, you know? And so they all know where their spot is. Um, so yeah, call them in individually and work them individually. And as far as. Sorry, what do you? So, um, I got distracted. Okay, it's by okay. The chat. We have some questions in the chat. Um, our friend James asked, "Do you have any interest in Chinese alligators?" I do have interest in Chinese alligators. Thank you, James. <laughs> and breeding them or anything like that. Yeah, I would love to get. Uh, there's there's some species that are just easier to get than others. Um, I am, I am currently talking to a couple of people. We would love to get like a pair or a group of Chinese alligators here we have the room we have um, some pretty awesome setups that would be perfect for them 
Uh, so if we get involved with that, that would be awesome. And yeah, I definitely want that species. Now, what species, I mean, is that next on your list or is there anyone in particular that you'd like to work with next? Next on the list? Uh, there's a few. Like I want to, you know, so I have a bunch of feelers out there. So I, you know, talk to my contacts, colleagues and friends all the time. Um, so, I mean, if I had a, say, just the top five, I want to get, uh, I would love to get involved with, um, again, this is just conservation related stuff. So these would, would be the species I'd want to get first, but like the Orinoco crocodile, um, there's a program in place for them. I'd love to be involved with that. The Chinese alligator, um, the Filipino crocodile, um, crocodiles, I always really enjoyed working with so those would just be fun there's no um direct conservation stuff in place from the united states to cuba to help with that but um i'd still you know love to work with those and then saltwater crocodiles would be fun just because i miss working with those i've done a lot of work with those over the years and they're just big and fun and big <laughs> this may be a stupid question but saltwater i mean do you have to keep them differently or do they do fine you know in your regular nope. Um, so that's, that's kind of a funny one because the saltwater crocodile does, it doesn't actually live in saltwater. Um, they get the name just because they're famous for swimming miles and I mean, you, you know, you could probably find them almost a hundred miles out in the ocean, maybe not that far, but, um, quite a distance out in the open ocean, you know, hunting, eating whales and stuff like, you know, like carcasses and stuff like that. But they're famous for going from island chain to island chain to find new territories and new hunting grounds and that type of thing. Um, so, so that's where they get that, uh, that nickname. And I think that's mostly on this side of the world that we call them saltwater crocodiles. I think, uh, on their side of the planet, they're just referred to as the Indo-Pacific crocodile. Um, but here in the States, we have the actual saltwater crocodile, which is the American croc. And that's one of the only species that live predominantly in brackish water. So you'll find them coastally, um, like throughout South America and uh, Central America, just like in the brackish water stuff. But um, but they don't have to live in salt water. So they can all drink fresh water. Um, all crocodiles can actually drink salt water, even though they may never, ever see salt water. They have glands in their mouths that help get rid of the excess salt alligators or anything in the alligator family does not so they're like us they can hunt in the salt water but they have to go back and drink fresh water um but as far as requirement wise nah just keep them in fresh water and you're fine interesting wow i did not do that i made up like half of that so <laughs> yeah, i wouldn't know the difference we would never know <laughs> um dale in the chat said to ask about trapper trapper yeah, Trapper is our big, uh, he's kind of becoming the star of the show. He's our biggest alligator here, even though our kind of whole catchphrase thing is, uh, um, you know, fun smiles and crocodiles. Trapper is, is awesome. Um, he's, the, he's our go-to animal for uh, like training demos when guests are here and stuff like that. So when it's warm enough, you know, we go in and, hey, let's run him through some routines and stuff. But he's, he's about 13 feet long. Uh, about maybe six ish, 700 pounds, really physically fit. He's awesome. He's amazing. And Trapper's pretty cool. 
with an animal like that. I didn't name him. I didn't name him, by the way. Originally, he was caught 20-something years ago by trappers and was mm. donated to a zoo. And about eight years ago or so, that zoo uh, uh, closed down. So they called me and said, do you want him? And I was like, heck, yeah. You know, the zookeepers got super creative when they named him. They called him Trapper. I would have gone with Steve or something. But <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't name him. But he knows his name, so we'll keep it. Was this animal donated for its size? Was it already big when it got donated? Um, no, nah, he wasn't like crazy big. Like when the trappers got him, they, uh, I think he was about 10 and a half feet long. So he wasn't like huge. Um, but for whatever reason at the time, they just decided to, instead of putting him down like they would normally do, they, uh, they just donated him to that, that, that zoo at the time. Um, maybe it was already prearranged. I don't know, but, but either way, I mean, it was like perfect. It, it, that animal has like just that perfect uh, personality type for like training related stuff. He's just really, he's like a sponge. He just seems to want to engage as much as we do. So it's awesome. And that, that brings up another question. So it's like, is it a personality thing that makes a gator, you know, good to work with? Or is it when you get it as a baby, you know, you can train it throughout its life? I mean, what's kind of the mixture of, is it nur nature, nature versus nurture? nurture? Well, I, um, I, the, the whole, uh, you know, raising it from a baby thing, I think is the biggest bunch of pets, pet store garbage I've ever heard in my life. Like you don't, it, it doesn't hurt to start when they're small and kind of grow with them, especially for, you know, anybody starting out, you know, like, uh, the more novice keepers or hobbyists or whatever. It's like, yeah, it's, it's fine. Kind of grow with it and you can learn as you go. Um, but there is no reason whatsoever to think that you can't that animal, you know, he's like in his early forties probably, and he didn't get a whole lot of training in captivity or at all, you know? So I started doing training with him. I mean, he was, he was an old dog. So yes, you can absolutely teach an old dog new tricks, new tricks, you know, that you don't have to start when they're young. I'm not saying it hurts to start when they're young, but, um, I can take the most problem croc from anywhere. You know, if I get one for free from a place that decides, oh, it's just unmanageable, it's going to kill our keepers, we don't want to deal with it, you take it. I can get the groundwork laid in two days, you know, so I can start changing that that, that and getting on the same page and, and almost no time flat. The learning curve is a lot better than, than what people think it is. And I think, um, I think if more people on the hobby side actually kind of look a little bit more into um, you know, read a book or two on operant conditioning techniques or training and that type of thing. And you start to see, oh, OK, so I'm I'm defining this as this and you're mistaking this for that. And then once you see that your behavior um, a little better, then it's like it, it cuts your time like in half, if not more, just on trying to, you know, like, let's let's get this lizard to calm down. So my Nile monitor is not trying to eat my finger every time I stick my finger in there or something, you know, you know what I mean? So. So there's lots of different stuff you can do, but um, I think there's a lot of misconception out there. And I think the whole it's young thing started mostly. I think a lot of the misconception stuff and the misinformation came from like the old timey pet stores where they don't want to raise animals. They just want to unload them really fast. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's kind of like, hey, just keep it in this tank. It won't outgrow it. That's bullshit. It's going to outgrow it. <laughs> right. You know, but. You talked about. Anyway. Sorry. No, go for it. Off. 
I'm just going to trail on until you cut me off. <laughs> yeah, go for it. <laughs> um, you talked about animals being donated. Are What percentage of your animals have been donated to your facility? I, and what are common you know, reasons why that would happen? Get a lot of stuff donated. Um, occasionally. We, we, uh, we don't really kind of put it out there that, hey, you know, if you have wayward whatever, then let us know. Um, because if you, if you do... You open the floodgates. Yeah, you open the floodgates, literally. You will get inundated with just random whatever. Um, But I would say mostly, pretty much the only things that we ever get once in a blue moon are are some of the tortoises. And it's uh, nine times out of ten, it's going to be a stalcutta, you know, because that those, I mean, they get huge. You know, it's it's a great tortoise, um, especially for beginners. They're super hardy and cat to manage. um, they do really well and, uh, they, you know, but they're going to outgrow your means or outlive you. So where's the backup plan? So a lot of the time we wind up being somebody's backup plan with the, with that stuff. Um, and occasionally, you know, somebody will say, Oh, my iguana is getting too big. Do you want it? Like, sure, whatever. And a lot of the time, if somebody reaches out to us, um, and says, Hey, do you take the animals? We might not actually do, you know, we're not, we don't look at ourselves like a rescue or, or anything like that. But um, if somebody makes that effort and they call us and say, uh, we'd like to, we'd like to go to a good home. Can you take it? If we can house it, then we'll house it. If we can't, we're still going to say yes anyway, because I, I know that I have more resources than they do. So I can make sure it gets to where they would hope it would go. Um, So uh, it doesn't happen a lot, but it does happen you know, the donation thing. So now with kind of the work to where, you know, you're working with things that were zoo stock or something like that, like how does that come to be? Mm-hmm. Well, say that again. What? Like when you're, when you're working with certain species, like say you got okay. Cuban cracks or something that is a zoo type animal, you know, it's not from the pet trade. Uh, right. Kind of how is that network set up? You know, how do they get in contact with you? All that good stuff. That's that's a lot of just rubbing elbows. Um, I think it's probably almost probably the exact same thing as how we all connect with each other, even in the hobby side of it. You know, it's a lot of networking. You go to a lot of the same <clears throat> events. You sit at the same tables eventually, you know, like so as you're a zookeeper, you go around and visit other zoos and visit their keepers and you make friends. And then as you move up in the ranks, you know, everybody um I, I kind of almost look at it like it's it's like going back to school, like like grade school. So, but you're starting off in like middle school. So you're kind of feel you're you're feeling yourself out. You're trying to find what to do. By the time you get to high school, now you're joining the clubs and getting more into the cliques and all that stuff. And that's almost like moving up the ranks to like supervisor, director, or curator. So then you start to network and meet all these people, and um, and then that's how that happens. So us being more of a private, privately owned facility. Um, and we're not quite like a bigger zoo, you know, um, like with the aff- affiliations or uh, um, accrediting, we can still work with those other zoos because we already have a, a relationship professionally. Uh, so then it's just a matter of filling out a lot of extra paperwork, jumping through a lot of extra hoops, and then getting approval from board of directors or or AZA or this or that or the other. Um, but that, you know, that's, that's really all it is, just networking and staying active in whatever community you're involved in. 
and uh, not being an asshole. <laughs> Keeping friends. Really. Yeah. <laughs> Especially to zoo people. I try to help as much as people have helped me. A lot of help and a lot of good advice um, and support from way higher level than me, you know, when I was, you know, way down here, you know, and from other zoos and other parks. And, um, you know, and it was really incredible, you know. So I owe them and <clears throat> anytime they're people, whether I kept a good relationship with that person or not, it was like whenever any of their team reached out to me for <clears throat> similar kind of help as they were coming up, you know, you <clears throat> return the favor. You know, it's just like, yeah, come here. I'll show you whatever you want to learn. Let's do it. Just don't die, please. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's different in your case because, because yeah, the scenario is. In your case, is that someone is <laughs> dead, 100%. Well, yeah, I mean, yes, there's some risk, but I mean, um, I have one of the best, I, I'm confident in, in what I know and what I do. I'm not arrogant about it, or I try not to be, and I really, really don't put anybody at risk. I have one of the best safety records in the world. I don't know if it's the best, but it's it's got to be up there. I've only had two accidents in well over 20 years. So that's pretty good. And that's also why we build everything oh, yeah. on wood, so we can knock on wood. But... Uh, <laughs> But I mean, I like to, I don't know if I'm that good of a teacher. I, I know what I'm good at and what my strengths are. And, and I try and, I mean, as, as you guys have already noticed, I do have a tendency to soak the sponge. So it's like you ask a simple question and I'll give you this. It's not a yes or no. I give you this big, long dissertation on blah, 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 blah. Well, that's good for podcasts. Yeah, that's great. It makes job easy. Sure. I think so, I can oversaturate sometimes. So I usually need a translator <laughs> while I'm trying to teach people. Or I'll script myself on how to how to teach somebody. So I'll say just talk, just say that, just say that, just say that. Don't oversaturate, and then it keeps everybody safe. But I've never ever ever, um, again, knock on wood. But in any scenario where I've been teaching somebody, I've never let anybody get themselves situation, and I'm always happy to jump in and take the heat for them to make sure that they get out. Uh, if something does go wrong so so what are kind of some of your base rules as far as safety goes what are some things that you have to do every single time to make sure that you're safe to make or your sure employees safe and safe. how many employees do you, you the have same question, didn't you? no mine is how many employees does he have <laughs> currently none it's just just me pretty much my wife jumps in and helps out um when she's available um but right now we just uh manage it uh as us, we do have kind of a reserve team, uh, so to speak, you know, so it's just some nearby friends and colleagues that I've worked with with Crocs for years. And if we ever have anything um, urgent going on, like, let's say we're doing egg collection or, hey, we got to move these animals over to here um, or anything like that, then and uh, coordinate that. So we kind of have staff, but not really. Um, uh, like I said at the beginning, you know, we're we're pretty much fresh out of the gates so i think if things keep going the way they're going then i'd say i probably have one or two uh paid staff members on with us and then hopefully by next year that'll expand and um you know it'll be off and running and then we'll be one of those parks that has like 100 employees or something like that one day but right now it's just me please help <laughs> that's a lot for one person i need a day off it's it is but i mean the fortunate thing is um 
I've had the past 20 years to kind of learn how to manage. Um, so even though it's a large number of animals and it's a big space and it's a lot of area uh, to cover, um, as long as you have a good system in place and then you just kind of iron out the kinks on that system, then it, then it gets easier to manage. Um, and you just kind of, you know, so it's, it's not like a militant, like it's gotta be this, 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 but it is, it does, um, make things a little bit more fluid and then you just have to be ready to adapt because there can always be things ready to go. So in an instant, you know, the second, uh, you know, a storm hits or something like that, you hear a crack off in the distance, like, ah, crud, is that a tree? And then it's like, immediately it stops raining you get out, or if it is raining, you get out there and make sure your fences are all good. And then you're just ready to stretch that thing back up and stand up a fence at a moment's notice. So it's, it's all stuff that luckily I had the advantage of doing for years under somebody else. And I had the, the fortunate position of not being responsible for any of it, you know? So it was like, it was that guy's problem. So if it went really, really off the rails, then he was the one that had to answer for it. And I was just getting paid by the hour doing what I was told, you know, so I could learn from everybody else's mistakes and then just develop a system that's that's pretty, pretty easy. I mean, it would be nice to have a day off once in a while, but eh, is what it is. At least I'm getting paid to do something I probably would have done for free. Oh, wait a second. I am working for free for right now. Eventually we'll get paid, but... So do you do you maintain a, a job as well as this or do you like what do you not anymore? Okay. I mean sort of, kind of. Um I mean this is this is the job. Shoot, did I just lose you? No, it's still there. Why is it not doing it? I can't tell if my battery's charging or not. I think it is, but we'll just play it again. Um hold on a second. It's gonna I'll I'll keep talking, but it's I got to clear up. Sorry. <laughs> You're good. Can you still hear me? Yeah. Okay, cool. I think I'm charging now. Anyway, um, having a job outside of this, um, I, I don't anymore. This is, this is the thing. So luckily, um, we're doing well enough to where this is. We're almost, we're about this far away from being really consistently at our break-even point. Curve everything here. Um, in a weird sort of way, it, it pays a little, um, to, you know, so I can cover what, what I need to do so that I don't starve to death. Um, but that's about it for now, but it's, it's awesome because what, what we do get coming in from the general public is keeping it, keeping it even. I can treat this as a full-time thing, so I don't have to worry about doing any other you know, I can focus a hundred percent on this and just make it grow that much faster. So, but I yeah. used to be in the, the well, so I'd be zookeeping somewhere or doing entertainment or something somewhere. And then I'll you know, building structural, whatever things. So people don't die in buildings and things, which is awesome too. That was fun. That's all. That's a good thing. Yeah. What do you do? As far as, I guess I can track back to before you hijacked, uh, systems as far as safety goes so what do we do for like state systems Is that what yeah doing? like just ways that you ensure safety around you know working with the crocodiles and stuff like that something that are kind of the basics for for someone who's working with alligators or crocodiles 
Um, we have kind of like a basic um, emergency action plan type of thing, um, which is almost muscle memory at this point. Um, it's like, what do you do first? You know, if something goes wrong, you, you know where the hospitals are, the quickest routes there. And it's, it's more or less, I mean, you could, um, I think I stole Aussie from half a dozen other zoos or attractions that I've worked with or, or for where I just liked how they wrote it or I liked how fluid it was, you know, so it was kind of like, Oh, okay, I'm going to do that. But that's what I always did on the job. Um, so for us here, um, we just have safety gear hidden everywhere in case we need it. Um, like, so at each of the enclosures, we have like a, like a catch rope, which is basically like a, um, like a, like a calf rope. Um, and in case we have to get in there and catch a crocodile really fast or an alligator, um, to, neutralize the situation i don't know um and then we'll have different things that we can use different tools for basically any scenario and uh just kind of hidden all over the place that way there's something you can go to like you know shit hits the fan it's like oh i need this tool and you know exactly where it's at or hidden nearby and you just snatch it up and uh and then you're ready to go um the big problem especially with wild animals there's some stuff you can kind of plan for and have a game plan for. And then the worst part of it is you, I mean, that's like number, number one on the list. Like, so on your safety protocol list, rule number one is expect the unexpected. So if you can't adapt and you freeze under pressure, that's, that's a big problem. So you have to be able to just be ready to go. Yeah. You have to be prepared to have your mind blown every second. <laughs> just be like oh i did not see that coming how do i make that work you know and then you just go from there so now you said me, that's fun i have a lot of fun with that what's that you said you had two basically mistakes or mishaps that happened i mean what what was it that you learned from those ones that you are not going to repeat in the future i learned so the first time i got bit on the hand um and I learned that I did not like being bitten. It was not fun. And then the second time around, I it just solidified my dislike for being bitten. So I just made sure that that never happened again. Um, both times that I got bit, though, I mean, it was a law of averages thing. Uh, it was by uh, about an eight-foot alligator. Not the same alligator both times. It was different alligators. But that was back early on in the career when I was still doing more entertainment-y stuff. So there was a lot of, uh, um, I was doing like gator wrestling show type thing. So, I mean, when you do 10,000 shows, you're probably maybe going to slip up once or twice. Wait, so did that happen in front of an audience? Oh yeah. Both times. Oh no. So the first time it get, you know, like, you know, I just, I saw it happening before it happened and it just caught my fingertips and I was just like, well, dang it. Like, there goes my safety record. So, you know, I went like four or five years without any injuries and uh, and then got caught. And then I just kind of looked over at my backup person, which is another safety thing. You always have a backup person when you go into some of these enclosures. It's always a good idea. But anyway, so I'm doing the show. There's probably 800 people there, you know, and I'm just kind of like, he grabs me. And I'm like, oh, well, there goes my safety record. And my buddy turns around. He's like, what? He got you? And I'm like, yeah, he's got me. 
you know, and then we just changed gears. I was like, all right, folks. So the show you get to see today is how you get your hand out of an alligator's mouth. Once you get <laughs> I sat there and stayed calm and made jokes about it. And um, every time he would clamp his mouth shut a little tighter, you know, I was like, oh, 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 that smarts, you know, just make silly jokes about that. And about uh, 12 minutes later, we finally got my hand out of there and wrapped up the show and waved at everybody and took off so (laughs) So, um, i mean obviously an animal that i mean is larger than you i mean you weren't scared at it you know rolling or bringing you in there yeah yeah i mean pound for pound they are way stronger than any person you're ever going to meet and um but i wasn't you know it was my first time getting bitten by a big alligator or any alligator for that matter so it was kind of like like oh okay well it's like one of those things it's like how how good are you with pain well you don't know until you get hurt you know and you're either really good with it or you're not so good with it um i don't like it but i handle it really well apparently um but i mean first rule is stay calm and don't panic you know just just you know and then you have to assess the situation so even my backup guy his first job is to just stand still and not do anything um because if you run over there you can escalate the situation you know so we were contained, you know, one, it usually goes if you get bit by an alligator, like, especially doing what we were doing, like a, a wrestling handling type show. Um, it's either going to grab and let go. So just quick bite, let go, or it's going to bite and hold on. And the worst case scenario is that it bites and holds on and then shakes or rolls or tries to. Oopsie. Tried to drop you there for a second. Sorry. Bad time to lose you. Somebody was trying to call and i was like no but the uh you know so so you have to plan accordingly and luckily for me that 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 first one was uh it just bit and held on and then we were just sitting there in a stalemate like deciding Mm -hmm. who's gonna who's gonna let go first and i wasn't holding him so he had to let go first you know so um you know that went ideal it was kind of it was a little long it was really tough getting his mouth open because he just wasn't opening. Um, and then from there, did you basically have to like physically pry it open, or? Yeah. So we had um, at the place what we call bite ropes, which are two loops of rope, and then there's a frayed piece on each end, and then you can hook the bottom teeth with one rope, and then the top teeth with another rope. You know, you can use your foot to push down on. You know, one just trying to pull the pull the mouth open um and your backup guy's gonna do that and then you just stay calm and sit there and make jokes at his expense it's like oh, you need to hit the gym and you know stuff like that and then, <laughs> and then he messes it up on purpose and everybody has a good laugh and um but in this case i mean this thing was clamped down good so it took two full-grown men pulling on different ropes to get it open two inches so i could slip wow. my fingers out and walk away and i was like there's some power right there that's awesome you know so now is that- uh, i would say if i learned anything from it though I mean, <laughs> uh the reason i mean and that's immediately what you do right after right. you sit there and you say okay why did that happen how did that happen and what can i do to prevent it next time you know where did i mess up because the alligator didn't mess up his job is to exploit you screwing up right you know that's his whole job or her, you know, so it's kind of like when you're in that show, um, your job is to do what you were trained to do the right way. 
and hopefully not hurt the animal. And, you know, cause if you do, you're not doing it the right way. Um, and, uh, and the alligator's job is basically to exploit you not doing it right. You know, so that wasn't his fault. It was my fault. So basically my head wasn't in the game. There was something in my personal life going on and I let that distract me and I'm not paying attention. And I should have, like I said, like I knew it was going to happen. I saw it and I should have stopped right there and taken a step back and started again. Um, instead of just trying to follow through, uh, with what I was doing. So, so I learned from that. And then the second time around, um, was a result of, again, my head wasn't in the game. And at the beginning of the, before I even went out to start the show, I even told uh, my backup guy, eh, I should probably sit this one out, whatever it's, you know, I'll just, I'll let you do them for the rest of the day. No, I should have had him start him right there. You know, the second you second guess yourself, just sit it out, you know? So that was the main reason I got nailed in the second one. Um, Cause yeah, I wasn't focused. My head was somewhere else. Is that kind of, you can't do is that. Is that the appeal of working with these animals is that, you know, you have to be a hundred percent in it all the time. <laughs> no, no. You can be so um, focused that you can't ever think about anything else while you're doing it. Like you're in the moment. There, there is, there is a, there is a weird kind of Zen with that, I guess. I don't even really know what Zen is. It just sounded like a fun word to use, but I think it's, um, Kind of. I mean, I don't know if that's the attraction. Maybe. I mean, I guess it could be a danger element for some people, but I do feel really comfortable in that situation. And I do like going in and having to be, you know, kind of that focused. And um, I get really, really good when things start to go really, really wrong. Not not because I mess up or anybody else messes up, but just something like when the curveballs come in and it's it's just like, wow, uh, this could be it. And it could all be over in about 30 seconds and, and nobody ever talks about it. You know, we're just all dead or I'm dead, <laughs> you know, and it's just kind of like it's it's terrifying, but it's it's a really awesome. I love it. It's it's a really fun moment. It's like the whole everything goes in slow motion. You're just kind of like, oh, I can see it's like a matrix moment where you can just see the ins and outs of everything. And it's like, OK, well, let's just get out of this and then we'll go and. We, we're getting drunk tonight <laughs> playing the lottery and everything like across the board because somehow i have some good luck all of a sudden you know but i don't know maybe that is kind of an a, attraction to it um i try not to take unnecessary chances if that makes sense you know i don't sit there and just i don't think i ever did really try to take those chances. i like to experiment and push the limits and see what can be done and and um you know, more or less in an effort to learn more about the animals. Um, but at the same time, you're learning more about yourself, too. But uh, do you still do like presentations and gator wrestling at the facility now? No, we don't. We don't do the, the handling stuff like so. I don't No, We do like like training related stuff there. I There is a practical in my opinion, there is a practical um application and necessity to learn how to do handling so i'll still teach that stuff can you explain that a little bit as far as why that's necessary or why you think it's necessary so a gator wrestling show like all all the dumb little stunts like ur, 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 let's hold the mouth open with my face and stick my none of that stuff's practical for anything that's just stunts but knowing the physical uh mechanics of the animal and how they're going to act and what it feels like to have certain muscles move and, and indicate what it's going to be doing 
um, and learning the physical limitations of that. Um, it's stuff you can't learn by observation and you can't learn by reading in a book. So once you get to that point, um, there is a lot of practical application that becomes really, really valuable. Now, it's not to say that, you know, when I'm going to catch and move an animal, I have to do it freehand. Um, no, you don't have to do that. There are tools that make it safe for the animal and for you and your team, and you don't have to be hands-on. But where I think it is valuable is when, when shit hits the fan, everything else goes wrong, and then you're left standing there because of protocol or lack of skill um, or, or lack of training. Um, you're left waiting for the protocol while you could be actively saving someone's life or, or an animal or something like that. So um, that's a big problem. I think with, with some zoos is they're like policy wise, they're strictly hands off. They're not allowed to go in the enclosures and work directly with the animals. It's, it's safety protocol. So the animals have to be shifted or there has to be a barrier. Um, and that's all fine and good, but I don't have to wait some idiot holds a kid up over a fence and they fall on a pond. So that's not going to happen here. But if you know, it happens somewhere else, I don't have to wait. I'm over the fence Harambe. being slung over the fence before anything happens. And that kid makes it out in one piece. And hopefully I do too. But I, I opposed to some other people that don't have the kind of training I've had. Um, I'm going to have more of a chance of making that out in one piece because of that training. So it's like training that's good to have and hopefully you'll never need, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so it's almost kind of like a, our version of like tactical training, you know, um, the way I see it. So, but you, you can learn a lot about the, the animal behaviorally by, you know, physically getting in there. I think the hot shot, hot dog bullshit stuff is exactly that. It's just hot dog, like manhandling garbage which it's like you're i don't think you're fooling anybody you're not tougher than that thing it's like who look at me fuck me i open his mouth i'm big strong billy bob redneck and it's like no you're not you're a fat ass who's getting the mouth open because it wants to open its mouth you're not fooling anyone jim bob <laughs> it's uh what's the suspend this there's the expression something of disbelief Suspension of disbelief? What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. When you're seeing someone wrestling uh, as a like watcher, we know it's not real, but it still brings us we like well, to it pretend. Is. It is very real. Well, it's yeah, real, yeah, but yeah. it's but you know they, there's there's an, yeah, but there's antics that they add to it that are not necessary. Oh yeah. It's yeah. The, like if we were to see someone at a rattlesnake roundup, you know, doing the rattlesnake popping a balloon thing, we know that that's bullshit. I mean, I'm sure just like Nathan thinks that, you know putting the alligator's head under your chin is somewhat silly, you know, cause it's for a crowd. It's to entertain. Yeah. It's yeah. And I mean, I'm kind of, I'm kind of a hypocrite with that too. Cause I mean, I did that all that stuff for you. Yeah. You, know, <laughs> you so got it out of your system. Job. But that was my yeah. open door to get in and do that stuff. But the best part about that was I, um, so I got to read, uh, develop kind of my own handling style too, which is a lot, uh, I choose to work with the animal instead of against the animal. So, and I think most of the uh, gator handlers that are out there are, we're all on the same page with that. Like, even though they might say in their scripts and keep in mind, it's, they have to go with the script most of the time. Um, 
you know, they're saying one thing, but they believe another. It's not like, oh, look at this beast and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, they're being paid to say that, but they in their hearts still love and respect that animal. And they're not trying to manhandle it or hurt it. So I don't want anybody to get that idea that, you know, there's, I make fun of Jim Bob because it's funny to me and he doesn't exist and it's a character, but you know, there are some dummies out there that are like that, like, ha, 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 you know, um, yeah, it's not but, a way to prove that you're tough. I mean, right, exactly. And I don't think you're fooling anybody with it. You know, it's like, uh, um, like the best thing I ever heard from anybody anywhere along the way, it was a girl and something like that. And she's, uh, some guy was, uh, it was after a show. It wasn't me, but the guy was like all just being kind of like, hey, how's it going? Yeah, I got this scar <laughs> from a big, and she's like, look, I don't care about your scars because it just means you fucked up, dummy. You know, and she just shot him down right there. And it's oh. like, scars aren't cool. It means you messed up, you know, like, and I was like, oh, that's hilarious, you know, but uh, I still think scars are a little cool, but whatever. But, but Talk yeah, I mean, the, the, the end result of everything. I mean, you appear to have all your digits and it seems that despite yeah. two situations, you came out all right. Yeah. Yeah. I still have all my fingers and toes and original teeth. And so I'm good. <laughs> But um, a question from the chat <laughs> that was not a good transition on my part. But um, James asked, "Do you know what the two little organs that protrude from under the chin of baby alligators is for?" They are musk glands. They are musk. Yep, they're just they're just musk glands. I'm trying to fix my uh, little chargery thing here. Right Wait, now. so they can actually musk much like a snake would, but it's out of their chin. No, it's right here. So there's two right here, and there's actually a couple uh, near the the hind legs, right near the the. Um, they're not like uh, like anal pores or anything like that, but it's it's on the inside of the thighs near the base of them. Um, but yeah, the two main ones that people will see is right here. So if you're holding a small alligator and those things are sticking out, it's pissed off at you. That's crazy. Basically, I had no idea. Fuck you, man. You know, and they're trying to musk and scent out to uh, kind of display. So they'll do that sometimes in a distressed um, situation or um, um, they're trying to be like, hey, I'm big tough guy. So the males will do that a lot in like the breeding season, you know, with courtship and stuff. Females will do it sometimes. But it's it's mainly just that's all that is. It's just just musk glands. And now is that and man when they musk it's got a it's got a neat little stink to it. I like it. It smells good. But it's like, kind of like it? a weird good stink. It's not like you know, when you get it's not like getting sprayed by a tiger. I mean that's just gross. <laughs> I like don't know what that would be like either. Have you ever seen that? Like when a tiger gets mad at you and it sit there and, no. and it sprays. No? Oh, that's gross. Because I mean that's just it peeing on you, basically to say, ha ha ha. Yeah, like that's what I'm used to, though. I mean, as far as most animals, it comes from the from the back end. I didn't know that they had a you know around their mouths, you know, in that area. It's crazy. Like, yeah, it's not like when um, like you know, snakes they have they're internal though, aren't they? Right? Yeah, they're internal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah so they come out of the like the cloaca region. So yeah, that is kind of gross because sometimes it is mixed with the other stuff. Yeah, you know, um, yeah with the I mean, it's not like you're getting like butt juice from the <laughs> from the neck or something. You know, I mean, it's just all it is is just kind of a scent, 
you know it'd be like if i just didn't shower for a few days i got the bo kick and i'm like (laughs) reek on my stench you know and that's just kind of how i defend myself or something and do the baby ones tend to do it more than the older ones or there's no um like baby ones do it like the like the real little ones but like you know like a two or three footer or whatever i think yeah sometimes you'll have that situation where the smaller they are the easier they are uh, you know the the more scared they are of just right. random things and the bigger they get the more confident they get um we don't see it a lot here at all um mainly because not interacting with them mainly because they all know that we're not really that much of a threat Right. Um, so we don't ever get that situation. But yeah, I've seen it quite a bit um, over the years just working with stuff. But uh, uh, you just yeah. don't stress out your animals. That's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I try not to make them mad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, different question from the chat. A while ago, you were talking about like networking and staying in touch with people who you look up to and everything. Mm-hmm. So Dale asked, who do you look up to in the industry currently? <sighs> Oh shit! Who do I look up to? I don't know if I really look up to anyone. Um, I look up to my kids a lot. I mean, they're they come up with better ideas than I do these days, and they're all they're both under seven. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I really look up to anyone. I mean, uh, I still have a ton to learn, just like everybody else, and you know no matter how much you think you know there's always more to learn but um uh i uh, i get excited to meet new people that i haven't you know like people that have always been a big name in the industry or something like that um and and get to talk to them you know for a while about what they're the work they're doing and stuff like that um i don't have like a bucket list man that's kind of making me sad that i don't have a i used to you know, so it was like, oh, oh, I want to meet these, this guy and that guy. And da, da, da. at this point in my career, I've, I've either talked to or sat down or had dinner with or worked directly with just about everyone I've ever wanted to meet. And sometimes that was a good thing. Sometimes it was a bad thing. <laughs> but uh, um, I don't know. Um, well, damn. OK, like the fulfilled. you can just die tomorrow. It's OK. <laughs> Your life is you've met everyone it's done <laughs> no it's, i don't i haven't met everyone but like uh there's 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 quite a few people in the industry where it's like i i've only gotten to hang out with them or talk with them like face to face once or twice um so there you know i can think of a few people i wouldn't mind you know sitting down and having dinner with again or having a couple beers and just talking shop uh, like Adam Britton, he's doing uh, a lot of croc work out of Australia. Probably one of the leading authorities in the field on crocs at this point. Um, you know, there's uh, luckily one of one of the biggest influences I've had in this industry is also one of the one of the leaders in the industry as far as behavior and training goes and just croc stuff in general. And that's Flavio Morrissey, um, and he does. I mean, just stuff across the board. He consults on reptile, just anything, you know, mostly institutional related stuff, but, you know, training different things. And so he's got a ton of experience. And then, you know, I've been just really fortunate with being able to sit down with curators and directors of other parks and stuff that have just always been a big name in the industry. And it's, it is kind of like meeting different bands and stuff that you, you know, 
And it's just kind of like, oh man, I've heard so much about you. Blah, blah, blah. And you try to not, you try to not geek out on them, you know. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of be all cool and just be like, well, I'm just not going to talk because you know. But I don't know. Do you feel like now? That- I don't. I don't really. I don't really get starstruck too much, and I, I don't think I ever did. But I definitely don't anymore. Now it's just like I realize they're just people to start a conversation. But they, they they usually love talking about it just as much as I do. So that's that's the fun yeah. part, you know. So you find out what they like to drink, and you show up with a bottle of that, <laughs> and they're just off and running. <laughs> right now, do you um, do you feel like the having a wildlife park, you know, offers you some type of legitimacy <laughs> as far as it goes, and like you know, I'm among those folks? People. I mean, that seems like the pinnacle of what you're hoping for is that one. You would. You would think, but I knew walking into it, like in some ways, kind of, sort of, yeah, it's it's like a new, a new tier, you know, you know and yeah, um, in some way, but in a lot of the ways, I mean, it's 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 kind of stressful. I mean, not you know, okay, so getting away from the business and development aspect of it, it's kind of stressful because you know, on one hand, you get a lot of people who are like, oh man, way to go, that's awesome, yeah. You know, good luck. If you need any help, let us know, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, So you get some support on one end and then you get like really, really, really put under a microscope on another end where everybody's just watching to see. Mm. Um, Some people are watching to maybe hope you fail. Some people are watching to see if you follow through on what you've been talking about or, or, or the goals that you set, you know, so in a positive way, they're like, oh, okay, well, once you you know, prove this, then you can do this or we can do this with you or whatever. So there's a lot of scrutiny there, uh, whether that's good or bad, you know, and then you have, a, it, then you have another aspect where you, it, you know, it walking in and it's like, okay, the second we say we're open to the public, we're going to be like ostracized and here's, you know, some doors closing, boom, 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 boom. And then people kind of turn on you. Um, and that's the only time you really see that is just from, uh, sometimes not all the time but sometimes you get other institutions that are just like no it's like competition there's not enough to go around yeah there's a lot to go around it's not competition it's no big deal you know but luckily we haven't had a lot of that i've seen it um before with other people in places but luckily we've had um you know more more support and 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 uh high fives than than bad stuff so but it's not yeah i don't know it's yes it feels like you kind of reached here but it's it's like one of those things like it's a constant work in progress so you don't feel like you're ever done you know and it's like okay well we got to this point and it's you almost have to take a step back and say okay so i don't i don't feel like we're at where we're at yet or where we should be except if i take a step back and look at five years ago it's like i didn't have any of this Right. And it's all way ahead of where I wanted to be, you know, so then you have to put yourself in check a little bit. And I think you have to kind of humble yourself a little bit, too, and be happy well, with you to, uh, to uncheck yourself. Uh, where do you want to go in the future? Kind of what's your ideal <laughs> steps going forward? <laughs> ideal, like going forward, you know, I, I mean, it's some of that's kind of boring, um, you know, so like we want to expand in kind of the normal ways, get like a nice good like front entry area and and kind of build that up you know expand the parking area um 
the most fun that I want to have, or it's going to be fun for me is like our property here. So I, I was saying we have 10 acres total um, and we're not even using half of it yet. Um, it's all pretty untouched, like Florida wilderness. So it's not already just, you know, open and stuff. It's just jungle. Um, so I don't want to develop any of it. Um, at best, I want to put maybe like a raised boardwalk through the whole thing and just kind of map out how that's going to go. And then just lots of natural enclosures and just kind of use the landscape for that. And uh, I think that'll be the funnest part is once we get to that point. And then it's like a eight acre facility rather than a three acre thing or something, you know, or whatever. So, but hopefully, I mean, if business keeps going as well as it is, and I think we've been pretty lucky so far, um, we might be there in the next three to five years, mm. you know, exactly where we want to be. And then, uh, yeah. So, so eight be. acres is like your max. That's like what? Well, I mean, if you think about it, like, so if you have 10 acres total and then you, I mean, that's, it's me just speculating. Um, but you know, if you have, you know, if you're looking at like a 30 car parking lot or 50 car parking lot, that's probably going to be about a, you know, almost a whole acre. Right. You know, and then, um, you know, uh, like back areas, like off exhibit holding areas or, or, or staff areas, you know, that might be, yeah. So, I mean, realistically we could probably (laughs) utilize about eight acres of like guest area, maybe, you know, um, or less, but shoot, man, I've seen some pretty phenomenal zoos and parks on about that or less and just if they use the space right man that place they they look huge you know and it's just beautiful too so i mean it's like it's all all a matter how you map it out i think is really the trick yeah and i think it's really cool that like i mean you go to a lot of places and obviously it's bulldozed perfectly flat you have these enclosures but like you trying to work within the landscape and keeping you know some of it wild and i'm sure that creates a lot of headaches but it will also create an awesome experience for people who are coming from outside of Florida. I'm, I'm assuming that a lot of your visitors are from out of state or mm. tourists, right? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we do tap into the tourism industry for central Florida pretty well. Um, we do have a lot of local stuff though. I mean, I think we have, um, one of the things we lucked out on is there isn't a lot going on on this side of our County. So we're only like maybe 30 minutes from Daytona, but that's on the opposite side of the county. So on um, East Volusia, it's Volusia County where we're at. That's where Daytona is. So that's the hot spot. That's where all the tourism goes over there. So there's nothing here. But um, on one hand, we're not far enough away from Orlando to be... um, we're far enough away from Orlando to not get all like muffled in every, all the chaos going on there, but we're, mm-hmm. we're close enough to not be um, ignored. You know, people from that region can say, Oh, they still hear about us and they can still come. So we do get a little bit of that. And I think as time goes on, it'll be, you know, uh, probably 90% of our guests would probably be, yeah, vacationers and out of towners, but I think we'll still get quite a few uh, locals and Florida residents too. So um, from a business aspect, from a business aspect, what kind of marketing and advertising have you had to do for the park? I like free 
marketing and advertising. That is the best kind. <laughs> um, mainly because we don't have the budget for it right now, but luckily that's working out really, really well. Also, I mean, pretty much just Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Google. We have a pretty good footprint on Google at this point, and then that's growing. You know, if we just, you know, if you know how it works. If you stay active on social media too, that creates a buzz and that keeps it going. You know, we're we're trying very unsuccessfully to uh, build our YouTube presence, and um, yeah, it's not working. But we're going on Facebook. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting to put more like, stuff on YouTube. But yeah, yeah, you got to be but, consistent, which is hard because it takes up so much time yeah. and you're busy with all the animals. And then it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, as the first thing I'm doing, if I'm traveling to Florida and like you know, 80% of people who just show up in Florida, like, I want to see a gator, you know, that's why people, maybe, maybe I'm biased, maybe I'm, sorry. I'm very biased, but I would be you, like, I have would you ever like, heard of Disney World? No, I know. But, <laughs> I mean, there's three things that people want to see in Florida, and it's Mickey Mouse, alligators, and oranges. There you yeah. go. You know, they went, or the beach, you know, but I mean, that, that's what people think of, you know, the beach, Mickey Mouse, alligators, sometimes oranges. I don't think you know, oranges, but, but I definitely think the beach. It used to be. Oranges <laughs> used to be a big deal. But, but yeah, the beach, Mickey Mouse, and alligators, that's yeah. pretty much the, the, the big. But draw. if you're just friends, alligators come way before Mickey but, Mouse I mean, and I the would, beach. But people are out <laughs> Same there. with me. I mean, in alligators. I mean, and then you I come mean, in alligators. Yeah. It's a no brainer. Our mascot can eat their mascot, so there's really no. <laughs> alligators, then Mickey Mouse in the beach. <laughs> Mickey Mouse is a fad. <laughs> yeah. Very, very popular one. <laughs> yes, he is, but really a trend. Everybody loves him. No, oh, I will give you if you if you ever start doing school stuff like I don't know if you guys already do that or not where you go out to schools and stuff. Don't make the mistake of with the kindergartners and younger of ever realizing that you're good at doing a Mickey Mouse voice because oh, then you have to do the rest of your presentation as Mickey Mouse. I made speaking of Mickey Mouse. <laughs> well, so, now I gotta hear your Mickey yeah, Mouse voice. <laughs> well, shoot, I don't know. I've been drinking. <laughs> It might not be appropriate. A drunk Mickey Mouse is okay. Uh, it's all with a laugh, really. It's just like, ha, ha, ha. hi, how's it going? Well, hot dog, that's a hefty drink you got going on there. That is a really good Mickey Mouse. The booze there, lady. Yeah, it's not bad. But you know what's awesome? Is it's, it's, it's just a slight, like a little sandy throat off of uh, Gingy from Shrek. Yes. You know the yes, and also a slightly off of the creepy old man from Family Guy. Yes. No, he's got too much of a list. That's just <laughs> that's true. Way out. Because that's kind of like the oh. Why do you say it like that? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not. Mickey's high. Mick, Mickey and Gingy. You know, like oh, spark up. The oven's mopping, man. We got a big order. And that's, he's got that gurgle in the throat. Gingy. Yeah, so... What, what was your question, babe? About like, 80% alligators? Yeah, it's just like, yeah, of course people are going to go down there looking to, to see alligators. I mean, what do you... What's kind of the experience people are looking for? What are... What would you bring, you know, a first-time visitor through as far as what can they expect to see at the park? 
Um, well, one thing that we kind of do is we, we do kind of act as like unofficial tour guides so we can kind of show them around and anytime we see something that we think is cool, we, you know, point it out to them or drag them over there. But, um, for the most part, I mean, it's kind of easy because everybody just wants to see an alligator at first. And there's so many different like eco tour related stuff like airboat rides or whatever. So, um, uh, we've even connected with quite a few of those locally. So, you know, let's say the. The river tour goes out an airboat ride and it was cooler. And they're like, well, we didn't get to see any wild alligators today place because you're definitely going to see them over there. So they send them to us. And then so they're already thrilled that they get to see this big giant thing. Now, if you can make it move, <laughs> then they're like, oh, my gosh, that's awesome. You know, and that doesn't take much sometimes. You know, sometimes yeah, I can just kind of walk in and just be like, hey, Trapper, come here, buddy. And he perks up and lifts his head and moves around, deep breath of air, and they're like, wow, it's not a statue. You know, and so people are kind of blown away. Um, uh, I mean, you don't have to do a lot. Yeah, I think people really are entertained of... by these well, animals. Yeah, but I mean, you know, <laughs> just sometimes just, I mean, um, you know, and I, I was kind of talking about it before is one of the byproducts of just doing training with them they 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 don't they don't shy away so they're not hiding way in the back of the enclosures they're staying active whether that's swimming around or walking around or whatever um and people see that quite a bit so um i love seeing alligators and crocodiles just walking just doing that high walk they stand up all big and it's just this dinosaur thing coming crawling you know it's not going fast like one and a half miles an hour and it's just the coolest thing ever. And then they just kind of stop and rest. Or once in a while, they just kind of do this weird, awkward stand where they lower their head and their butts way up in the air. And then all of a sudden, they poop all over the place and kids <laughs> scream. And, and that's hilarious. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, there, that's you don't see that every day. Check that out. You know, but uh, we try to do, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't want to be any more invasive on the animal, though. I mean, we don't really do a whole lot to get in the way, but, you know, like I get in, there, I want them to feel comfortable, but I get in and interact with them quite a bit anyway. So, so believe it or not, um, the, the craziest reaction I ever got in the entertainment side of the industry wasn't when we were doing shows with them and get them to jump out of the water or a crocodile standing up, taking chicken out of my hand. It was going into an enclosure to do mundane tasks. And people were like, oh, my gosh, aren't you terrified? Oh shoot! What had just happened there? Yes, yeah, like people there. are surprised. Yeah, I can. We just can't see you. Yeah, happened. I went to some different screen. But I think people are surprised that, like, uh, you know, you could ever be calm around these animals and you know just do what you got to do. For fun, one time I went and took a nap in a crocodile enclosure. Oh, Nathan, no. <laughs> well, I didn't really go to sleep. It was just, I was just pretending, but, um, but I'm just sitting over there and I, I knew some people were walking by and they didn't know I was in there. And I'm, it, but there was like this hammock we had this like camping themed setup thing in the croc enclosure and the croc sitting on the one side, you know, he's just sitting in the sun and I kind of go over there and I kind of sort of just, I'm laying like kind of next to the hammock as part of the little themed campsite thing. And um, the people walk by and they're like, oh, look, that's funny and blah, blah, blah. And then I woke up like, oh, hey, how are you guys doing today? Shoot. Oh, <laughs> didn't mean to doze off. And they're like, oh, my God, you're crazy. 
you know, and then the croc just all of a sudden, like, I guess when I jumped up, it spooked him and he was like, boosh, and took off into the water. I was like, I can't believe you were just sleeping in there. And uh, so that was just a nice little funny little practical joke <laughs> on the guest. I but... lose my mind. <laughs> yeah, they kind of did. They kind of did. Um, I also learned something on the back end of that, too, that um, uh, we used to have a mannequin in the hammock. <laughs> and after that day, like we came in the next morning and the whole display was destroyed. Croc came up and destroyed, like grabbed the mannequin and the hammock and like ripped it through the trees and just like demolished it. This was like a fort crocodile. Do you think that's because it like had your scent on it or? No, I think it's because I, he was mad at me that I did that (laughs) and got, got one over on him. And I think he was kind of like, well, I'll show you stupid human. You know, and he just decided, okay, well, it's there. I'm going to destroy it now. You know, right. he might, you know, I don't, I'm pretty sure he knew I wasn't in it. Um, But, you know, I don't just know. At least you like to tell yourself that. I, I can make up whatever story I want about <laughs> what he was thinking. Because nobody else knows what he was thinking either. You know. Right. Uh, speaking of the public and like audience members, what are some of the most ridiculous questions or wives ta- wise why can I say wives, that? Wives. wives tales you've heard from the public? The most wives tales I've heard from the or questions. Public? Oh man. Now I'm trying to think of like ridiculous ones, but I mean, they're well, some of them are all pretty. I mean, there's the 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 classic go to misinformation stuff like uh, and I hear it all the time and I don't think I'll ever not hear it. But, you know, there's a lot of people that still think, OK, if you're getting chased by a crocodile or an alligator, you got to run from. That's like the most common one. And they're like, is that true? And I'm like, no, no, it's not. Don't ever do that. The only time you should ever run zigzag, well, you shouldn't. But if you're at a company party, get like uh, like a boss or a relative that you don't like and get them to do it and then videotape it because you're just going to look ridiculous. Um, and it's funny. But uh, it's just a misconception. I think like a hundred something years ago, some they don't look flexible. So maybe they can't run an erratic pattern. The problem with that logic is that the only life form on the planet that will ever run that way is a sick and injured animal. So what's a predator going to do but think, oh, you're going to die in a second. Let me keep following you <laughs> a little faster now. You know, like, so, plus you're just going to cut off your, you know, you're going to, so if you're just trying to get to a tree, just run to the fucking tree. Right. Hide behind the tree. You know, just run. They can't run faster than us anyway. So that's another problem with TV is like, um, top speed on land for any alligator or crocodile is likely right around maybe 10, maybe our tops on land. You know, TV, they'll say like 20 miles an hour. They can outrun a horse for short distances. Nope. Good they to know. I mean, uh, your average fit human should be able to outrun a croc in an ideal situation. I can outrun the fastest crocodile species on the planet. Not just one, but a group of them backwards. <laughs> I've done it backwards. <laughs> I'm not showing off. I'm not that grateful or fast. But I know for a fact, I think you could probably Tell in me. the right conditions, I think a brisk <laughs> mall walk would do it. You remember mall walking? 
Nope. The old ladies that walk really fast in the mall oh, to get their yes. exercise. Yes. That. I think I think you could briskly like just fast walk, okay. you know, Monty Python style and get <laughs> no, I don't know. Just run. If it's chasing you, run. <laughs> You know, hide behind a tree. <laughs> I was always wondering because, like, we went to this the like, person you're with and walk. Yeah, right. The slowest person. <laughs> Don't get that. But Are you about to reference your New Orleans the, trip. Yeah, yeah. We went. We to did a, that every year growing we up. We went so to Louisiana to, and like. Let me say that mine first. I'm from New Orleans, and he went one time and went on my like swamp boat tour that we took like every year growing up. And they're so dumb. That is all antics. Well, I'm I didn't wondering. Believe, yeah, what I is didn't the, believe like half the shit they used to. Tell dude, us. we had a we had a raccoon. <laughs> we had like three gators that were just like jumping up and, and they let you hold them around. no tape around the mouth usually which is like what are you terrifying to me but yeah i mean what is that doing as far as behavior wise to a wild alligator you know on those kind of touristy feed the alligators type of airboat trips um well i mean if you know if they're just snatching up some wild alligator for people to hold um it's like me just kidnapping you and making you do a photo op with random things on it. <laughs> it's doing exactly what it looks like it's doing you know i mean if you're not um if they don't know what's going on eventually they'll get desensitized to it but it's it's the same thing as like you know if you were to kidnap kidnap somebody and then basically just break them over time they're going to submit you know um they're not starved to death or killed or, or whatever the case is, you know, they don't know what the back end of the deal is. So, I mean, if they're feeding them out in the wild, then they're just, um, you know, you're making it lose its fear of humans, which could make it dangerous for other humans. So, you know, it's normally an animal that's afraid of us to begin with. So without actually kind of training and communicating, this is why we're doing this, then how are they going to know other than to just be like, uh, I'm in fear the whole time or, Oh, okay. People aren't bad. They're going to feed me. Let me go eat their dog now, you know, <laughs> type of thing. So maybe have accidents. Yeah. I, I felt like, the you know, gators- in Florida, all of that stuff's completely illegal. You can't really go and like on an airboat ride. If you feed an alligator in the wild, you're going to jail. So in Louisiana, the law, Laws might be a little different. They might be allowed to do that. I don't We're know. We're called loose that. Louisiana. We got a, lo- a lot of loose laws. So, and <laughs> Texas is the same way. There's a lot of leeway on what you can and can't do um, with certain wildlife. So, so that's that. Like we do. Okay. So pretty much, I think any facility that has captive alligators does the little photo op thing, um, you know, with an alligator. Um, but the group of animals that we choose from for that, we train the crap out of them. And, and it's not like, hey, you're going to do this. You're going to wear the chicken suit and twist a sign, and, and that's what you do. But they know they're working. They know they're um, not in a dangerous situation. So it's not like we just grab them, put the tape on, and there you go, and you figure it out. Um, we kind of work with them a little bit. We're not trying to tame them, but it's like, look, this is not a threatening situation. Nothing's going to hurt you. We're going to take you to, even though all the kindergartners in the classroom are screaming and crazy, uh, uh, it's not a bad thing, you know, and then they get rewarded for all of that. So um, as soon as, you know, the, the restraint for the mouth goes on, you know, they know, oh, okay, basically now after 
after doing the training part of it, they know that basically that's like a uniform. And as soon as it comes off, they go to a specific spot and they wait for their paycheck. You know, so you can make it very clear, hey, that's what is going on. So in that way, it can be a positive thing for the animal. Um, You know, in the same way that, okay, it's like uh, if I have a normal job, like welding, like I don't I didn't want to do that forever, but I did enjoy it, you know, from an artistic perspective. It's like, so, you know, I enjoyed it a little bit. Did I want to do it all the time? No, but it wasn't like a bad thing. It's like, eh, okay, well, I'll go to work today. I'm getting paid, you know, so that. So, but if you have a place that isn't doing it like that and it is just a snatch and grab situation, then yeah, it's going to, I think it's going to put undue stress uh, uh, on the animal, at least for a little while. And then it's going to, it'll eventually realize, oh, okay, well, this isn't going to hurt me. And I am getting, you know, but it's almost kind of like if I just grabbed you at two o'clock in the morning, threw a chicken suit on you and you were just standing on the corner you're like, what the heck was that? (laughs) The worst dream ever. But if I just handed you a bag full of hundred dollar bills at the same time, you'd be like, this sucks, but this is cool. And okay. Sounds good. You know, and then you eventually just on board, you know, Right. I don't and know. That's are, the worst the analogy I've ever done, but <laughs> we got it. We got it. What are the signs okay. of a distressed gator, or what's the signs the of a the musky? I mean, they'll, you know, a food they, aggressive, defensive, you know, whatever it may be. No, the lies. They communicate. They talk. They they'll tell you once you learn the body language and the vocalizations, and you you know uh, know how to read the eyes and all you know all, all that stuff put together. Fuck you, or this is cool. You know, like, um, so you can tell, you know, just off the breathing alone, the way they're, if they're tensing up on the muscles, the, what the ears are doing, what the eyes are doing. Um, you know, sometimes the, you know, the alligators and crocs will talk like they will vocalize. Um, you know, the musklands, those things sticking out right there. If the head's all up like this and that's out there and they're all tight and rigid, that's a sign that like, I'm gonna, I would kill you so hard right now if I could, you know, it's kind of what it's saying little bit some of them are really subtle but since some of them are really loud you know um metaphorically speaking so yeah it's just the more you it's i can see it plain as day now but you know 15 years ago 20 years ago it was kind of like it took a little while for me to see it because i was still learning but um but it's the same with snakes or lizards or anything else you can see the sign the more you're around them the more you work with them you can see Oh, I see what this means, you know, and yeah, I guess that's it. I don't know. Yeah. Speaking of that. I uh, know. I was going to say, people are going to be remiss if we don't mention other ask animals. Ask what your other animal interests are. <laughs> as I've far always as snakes, been, right? I've always yeah. been uh, like, you know, crocs and alligator. That that was always like my big thing. Um. You know, I'm a croc guy through and through, but like tortoises were the opposite side of the spectrum for me. So mm-hmm. it was kind of like I always had like tortoises. So even when I was just working someplace and I didn't have, you know, I was working all day with the crocs. It was crazy, crazy, crazy. I would come home to my tortoises and just kind of sit there and just gel out and just feed them. And, and that was kind of my my uh, my downtime, you know, and then uh, uh, it was a big one for me, too. I'd say they're they're right up there with I don't know if they're right up there with Crocs. Like water monitors I, I like a lot and it was funny because you mentioned Dorian before and he was like, I hate water monitors, but but he liked 
likes them a little bit, but he's real big into the ornates or whatever. And the water uh, models are just like the nicer, bigger versions of what he keeps. I don't see what's bad I, about them. I like them. I like them a lot just because they're, I mean, they're the closest thing to a Komodo dragon without being a Komodo dragon. Like, I would love to have a Komodo dragon. I'd love to work with those more. I had the privilege of kind of socially working with them for, you know, not very long but um they're amazing and they're huge and i think i just like that they're this giant bulldog dragon thing and it's just super <laughs> cool um working with water monitors and i mean they're just they're they're smart as hell too and they're they're fun to work with on that aspect and then just watching them i love watching them just be lizards you know so I, that stuff's pretty cool do they do well as far as you know monitor species outside in florida where you are in my experience, yeah, uh, that's one of those things where <laughs> the more we talk about it, we probably get in some pretty hot water and, and some of the, the groups and all that good stuff. Uh, the more and more we talk to I, modern I people, think, the more weird it seems as far as the clickiness. Like, well, yeah. I mean, just with, with everything. I mean, if we started talking too much about any particular species, we could get ourselves into some pretty hot water. No, that's not true. I don't agree. And blah, blah, blah. And it's like, eh, well, so what? Who cares? You know, I'll do it my way. You do it your way. Who gives a shit? Right. Um, but I mean, what the way that I, uh, work with my monitors here might not be exactly the way that everybody else says it's supposed to be done. And, I know what works for me and what works for my lizards that are here. Um, and it, what works with them and for them might not work with other lizards. And I know that, and I've worked with lots of other ones, you know, so it's like, they just happen to be perfect uh, with each other in the way they are. Um, and, and it's awesome. But uh, I think um, if you do it the right way out, out I mean, Florida is really, really good. South Florida is probably better because it's way closer to just like just point blank tropical uh, weather. We do get a little cooler up here, so it's a little tricky. Um, like you could almost kind of look at it like the iguanas do just fine down in South Florida, even though it gets pretty cold down there sometimes. But they've learned to stay in the water and underground through the winter and they survive. Uh, um, this far north, it would get too cold. So wild iguanas, I don't think could could ever last and wild monitors maybe the same thing i don't know if they could ever make it through the winter without help mm. um but you can still i keep we keep ours outdoors i mean they're in the enclosure all year we just supply extra heat uh, just to make sure and then the only time they ever come out of there or go anywhere else is if a hurricane comes through and it's like hey here you can come in into the barn or you can go over here wherever so is it similar to as far as you know tra training goes is it a similar approach with the monitors as it is for your crocs i, I mean just training in general i mean the the basics of it the fundamentals of it are all pretty much the same but i don't i don't stay the same like I, that's one of those things that i think you really need to adapt more i think <laughs> I think there are some old school trainers that think it has to be, you know, it's like textbook. This is A, B, C, D, you know, all the way through with everything from like a psychology 101 standpoint. Yeah, kind of. Um, maybe that could work, but I kind of train per individual. 
So like once we kind of get the groundwork going and then you can see the personality, I'll kind of work with that a little bit more than I will uh, with the structured textbook version of it. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, yeah, the same techniques um, I use with them that I use with the crocs. And now are waters the only species that you're working with monitor-wise? Right now, yes. Um, that's that's all. Yeah, those that's what we have here right now. So I mean, I've but I've done that with like croc monitors, and um, you know, I've had lots of different, you know, like the blue tails and the mangrove monitors and the Niles and all that type of stuff. I've worked with all those in the past, and but uh, but right now, yeah, we're not. I would like to expand the monitor collection a little bit. You know, as we get a few new um, kind of habitats developed and built up a little bit, we'll probably do that. Right now, we're focusing more on just having a decent representation of, you know, as many groups as we can. You know, so we have an iguana representation, the monitor representation. Maybe we'll throw a tegu in there. Or I'd love to get those, uh, uh, like, the caiman lizards. Mm-hmm. Those things. Those freaking cool looking <laughs> little crocodile lizards yeah you gotta snails you know they only eat snails i believe we have a lot of snails yeah i'm sure that wouldn't be a problem for you up here yeah we'd be fucked yeah, yeah we'll they... just grow, grow some snails we can do it it's fine <laughs> yeah those are awesome and i think they've only been bred once in the u.s uh, from my understanding as far as captive breeding goes that could because isn't there the there's the crocodile well there's a the crocodile skink and then there's the the caiman lizard i thought the caiman lizard oh i guess they are all in, imports aren't they yeah from from my understanding i know at least someone in europe did it i want to say someone in the united states bred them but uh yeah i think your best bet would be probably keep them outside in florida eating snails and hanging out and who knows if you got lucky they breed they didn't want but yeah well, I think they'd have a pretty good shot at it here. I mean, especially because all I'm going to do is replicate where they came from anyway. Right. You know, and just kind of leave them to it, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's an animal that, I mean, I've seen some pretty calm individuals as far as, you know, people being able to handle them. Uh, anyone that I've ever worked with was pretty mellow. You know what I really like? And I, I was uh, I was talking to somebody about it the other day, and I really want to do it, but it'll be tricky climate wise here is uh euromastics mm. i used to love working with euromas like the egyptians the egypticus or gyptius or whatever the stupid scientific name is but those things are awesome it's like a tortoise head on a lizard body with like a like armored beaver tail thing <laughs> right <laughs> you just got to keep it a million degrees with zero humidity and you'll be fine in florida yeah yeah, well, that, that would be the trick part, yeah. <laughs> but that would be cool, like, just have a bunch of big, giant, you know, uh, versions of that. I always thought those were pretty neat. I always liked the way they uh, use the tail to, like, protect themselves in the burrow and just slap your hand into the rock and stuff. They used to try and hurt me a lot. <laughs> yeah, those are awesome animals, and... Now, I guess we got to mention snakes because you didn't mention snakes. What species? I'm assuming he hasn't kept any. He skipped right past them. He said tortoises, <laughs> lizards. No, this I mean, we do. Like right now, the way that we're set up right now, like I, 
I ha- intermittently will have snakes here. We have a ton of snakes on property. I mean, um, you know, just wild stuff, nothing crazy, but like, you know, we'll see some rat snakes once in a while and some really cool looking water snakes, but, uh, on exhibit right now today, we don't have any on exhibit. Um, last week, you know, I had a, uh, a Python, you know, and like before that, you know, we had a whole cool little boa set up and, and all that stuff. But, um, I don't like what we have for them. So I don't want to have them yet. If that makes sense. So once we develop, there's a whole different section. And again, I wish I could show it to you right now, but I want to, uh, redevelop that whole, uh, set of enclosures to be specific for like way better for like snakes or like a small, like frog exhibit or, you know, have a bunch of different species like that. But, um, I've done tons of work with snakes. I wouldn't call myself a snake guy, you know, um, I like them. I like watching them, but I mean, from an exhibit standpoint, snakes are like the worst exhibit animals in the world. Ouch. Um, Yeah. Well, I mean, think about it. I mean, they're, they're, they're super efficient with what they do. So you can't really knock them for that. But I mean, if you build, you give them this big, huge, spacious, awesome thing, they're not necessarily gonna, um, I don't want to say they're not going to appreciate it, but they're going to find the spot they love the most and hide they feel secure, it. safe, <laughs> and they're going to just hunker down right there. Ever really going to see active wise is when they got to poop, eat, or drink some water, and, you know, and that's that's pretty much it. Um, so you can do things to you know kind of keep the environment a lot more and enri- do a lot of enrichment with them and stuff like that, um, you know for the most part until we get something that's a little bit more conducive for the, the, the way I see it. Like right now, I mean, it's all outdoor enclosures. They are, are set up, but they would be good for snakes, but I just don't like um, possible thing in my opinion. So once I feel good with it, then we'll, we'll get some more snakes in there. But yeah, I think that's interesting. For, like the more, the more you set it up, the more enrichment you give them, the more areas you give them to hide, which they like, you know, the less people are going to see them. So it's almost like the more you take care of them well, the less people are going to see them pretty much no matter what. Yeah, the better you make it, you almost have to make it like the worst thing for them so that they're right. just out in the open constantly searching for a place to go, you know, and it's like, wait a second, that's c- completely not cool. You know, so, <laughs> so the, the, the hardest thing is just finding that fine line between what's best for the animal and still uh, conducive for like public viewing or something like Maybe that. Maybe a chondro yeah. would be the way to they go. get you a scrub or something. No, a chondro that sits there on its perch. I don't know how out. good it would do in Florida. Oh, you That'd know be- what I always wanted to do? Uh, I always wanted to do like an open air, um, like tree boa or tree python mm-hmm. uh, type exhibit. Um, See? I hate to, I hate to plug them, but Mandalay Bay uh, out in Vegas has that. Like, uh, they got it's like a tree, but it's not really all that. I mean, it's kind of neat, but it's not how I would say because they were just you couldn't reach them or anything, but it was open air, it wasn't like a big uh cage thing. They're just sitting there on a perch, just chilling. You know, it's pretty neat. You should do it. They probably need to replace them like yep. every three months, but I mean, whatever, <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that's the other problem, too, is if we, we wouldn't be able to do an open air thing like that, you know, not with some smaller species like that. Because we do have, again, like some native wildlife. So we do have hawks and owls and stuff like nice. that. So, I mean, if something's just accessible, 
then uh, it's going to get picked off. Yeah, <laughs> or it could. So. Yeah, I think that would be a real difficult thing to keep the snake in and keep everything else out. But while showing it off well. well. Yeah. I will let you in on a little secret. I, I tried out this. Uh, I had one chameleon. I went down to South Florida and caught one of those, you know, big yeah. whatever they the, the uh, uh, what are they the Jacksons? No, not the Jacksons. It was a uh, they're veils, right? In Florida. Well, they have yeah, they have yeah, so... the, the veils or, or whatever, and then they have uh, there's a bunch of different types down there. But um, what's the big huge one? Dang it! Why can't I remember the name? I'm gonna Google big huge chameleon for you. I know it's not, <laughs> it's not the panther. It's the other one. They're not they're not super sure? crazy colorful hmm. chameleon. It's uh. Oh man, it was it's on the tip of my tongue. Anyway, whatever. You know, there's a chat already. Somebody eavesdrop and I'll be yelling it at us right now through, yeah. through a message, be like, it's a flub of flub. Parsons. Parsons. No, it's not the not Parsons. Oh. Way to go, chat. Letting us down. No, it, it's not it's not one of the really common ones. Is it base of them, obviously? It's the one because they're not very colorful. They do change, you know, a bit, and it is big and it's impressive, almost like the panther. But the panther, I mean, that those things are awesome with the colors and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's invasive. They're down there. But uh, but anyway, the thing was only, you know, maybe this big, you know. And I had this really cool open air. Um, had this weird shrubby tree thing um inside one of the enclosures and that was going to be our tortoise nursery enclosure um so you'd have the tortoises running around uh, a little kind of stream pond thing with some pond turtles and then you'd have this tree right in the middle of it all lion king style and uh with some chameleons all hanging out in it um and then it had this you know it came down into this tub with these real slick kind of walls that you, you couldn't quite see so they if they did come down to the ground they couldn't climb out so I'm like, oh, this is awesome. So I put the chameleon out there and, you know, I come back in the morning. And I'm like, where the heck did the chameleon go? How the heck did he get out? Where did he go? You know, and I was like, you know, he couldn't get out of the main enclosure because the holes were, you know, only like maybe barely an inch. Um, so he wasn't getting out. I'm like, where the heck is this chameleon? I look off in the back and there's a rat snake that could fit through the holes, ate the damn chameleon and then couldn't fit out the holes again. Because he was so fast. Because the chameleon was too big. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Stuck in there. I'm like, God dang it. So it was like one of those little tiny oversight things where it's like, you know, a good plan gone wrong. And we just did not, for whatever reason, I don't know why I didn't think that a rat snake might not take a shot at it. But that's funny. Anyway. So. Okay. So the chat gave options. Could it be Murphy's? Mm, Could it be no. Mueller's? No. Or Ostelet. Ostelet. Yeah. Which I've That's actually... it. Yeah, the Ostelet <laughs> That's it. Ostelet. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, chat. They're... We got it. Thanks, man. There are personal Googlers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's crazy. I mean, there's almost, I mean, there's so many things as far as native wildlife that could go wrong, especially as far as snakes, especially rat snakes. I mean, we'll eat just about anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they will. It's, so, it's neat to see them around the park, though, too. And once in a while, um, uh, 
you know, I have a little heartbreak moment when it's like, oh man, look at that cool water snake. And then one of the crocs is like, oh, look at that cool water snake. And, you know, and it's like, damn it. Should have tried to catch that cool water snake. <laughs> so have you tried to? I know I've seen a lot of people as far as crocs and stuff. I mean, do you have, you kind of mentioned you have turtles that kind of cohab and do you have uh, turtle species with monitor species or? you know, turtles with the crocs and stuff like that. Are they all native or are they special aquatic turtles or? Um, there are some, uh, like, so I, so in some of the, uh, croc ponds, there are some turtles. I try to keep, uh, any of the water there and they're not, they're, they're basically native to Florida. Um, and some of them were already here when we got here. Um, you know, they probably just walked out of a marsh somewhere and, got into the ponds or something but um anytime i find turtles in some of the ponds i'll dive in real quick and snatch them up and stick them in a different one like so pretty much the only ponds that have turtles in them are with crocs that don't normally eat turtles because <laughs> i don't want to just feed the turtles to the crocs and stuff so uh so when we first moved trapper into his enclosure you know, I didn't really know if there was turtles or fish or anything in the ponds at that point. I hadn't seen anything. But then um, within the first week, you know, you start seeing stuff walking the fence line like, oh, my gosh, there's this giant dinosaur. And it's like, oh, come here, little turtle. I'll save you before he gets you, you know. And and so uh, so we anytime we see them and especially like in his enclosure or something, because alligators, I mean, they're designed to eat turtles. That's why they have that big broad head they're just really efficient turtle eaters so um uh i i love mixed exhibits though i mean when you can do multi-species exhibits it's you know you gotta put them together but yeah it's awesome i think if you have the opportunity to do it um like i i'm uh i want to do like for our future iguana exhibit iguanas are in kind of what i consider a temporary holding exhibit and then uh once we get the bigger one finished up, I want that to double as like a tortoise and turtle nursery with the iguanas. So you have the iguanas in there with some like, you know, yearling tortoises, you know, red foot or yellow foot tortoises or something like that. So there's more than just the Iggy's flopping around in there. I think that'll be neat, but is there any, as far as, you know, fish and goat food wise, I mean, are you trying to keep fish in the ponds? Do you even care? Or, you know, do you kind of grow some of your own food that way? Yeah. Um, I apparently I suck as a gardener. We have this whole big <laughs> section that I just, while I'm showing guests around, I'm like, Oh, and this right here is my sad attempt at a vegetable garden. So don't pay attention to that. Cause I'm failing. Um, we try, I grow some stuff, but, uh, the uh yeah i'm currently like restocking all the ponds with fish mostly like bluegill or shiner shiners that type of thing and uh i'm feeling it out it's one of those things where it's like an aquarium like if you put too many of something in there then they can't survive or compete or or whatever so uh you know it's a matter of finding a balance like what you can put in there i'd love to get catfish in some of the ponds but um we have the way I have some of the stuff plumbed some of these seizures for like the juvenile crocodiles. Um, they're higher up than the, than the main ponds, the bigger ponds. So their, their overflows 
spill out intentionally into the bigger ponds not directly the bigger ponds but like one area so we can use that nutrient rich water uh as irrigation for a lot of our uh, you know plants or vegetables or fruit trees or anything that we're trying to grow um and at the same time that'll eventually trickle into the bigger pond fish in some of those smaller croc exhibits like bluegill and and the shiners and it looks like at least in one of them that they might actually be spawning in there so theoretically the fry from those fish will go over the overflows and then populate the ponds so we're trying that as an experiment just to see if that'll because if that works that'd be neat that'd be kind of cool but um now is that just kind of is that just kind of enrichment at that point I mean, because they're eating them, but are you hoping that they kind of get to display a little bit of their behavior? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, anytime they're supplementing their own diet and they're just catching frogs or fish or or the random raccoon that, you know, (laughs) tromps by, that, I mean, it's it's dietary, but yeah, that is definitely enrichment, you know, and it's awesome to see that. And the guests, I mean, it's awesome for guests to see that behavior too. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, whether it's graphic or not to whatever individual happens to be watching it. I mean, that's, you know, it's in the eye of the beholder, but okay. So it's awesome. Um, we do a lot of enrichment with them anyway, with other stuff, mainly to keep them active and stuff like that. But it is really cool when you do see them. There are a couple that actively hunt the frogs and come up with different strategies on how to catch the bullfrogs. And, and, and it's neat to watch it, you know, and, and to see it play out. So is there communication between gators as far as if they're trying to hunt, you know, they'll kind of help each other. Yeah. Out like a top, top tip, top, top. They speak they, more. Uh, <laughs> no, it's all like with, with uh, walkie talkies. made out of made out of made out of sticks yes no one one will hold a stick and another one will toss stones at the stick and that's you know so it's kind of this weird primitive morris code hey you fuck do they help you catch food or not Uh, not making fun cooperative There no there there is cooperative hunting behavior. Um, not so much with small stuff like that, uh, at least that I've seen. Um, but with bigger prey items, um, and alligators, eh, it kind of sort of comes and goes. It's a lot like kids fighting over a ball on a playground, more mm. than it's really cooperative. In my um, life. But with other species, what? Sorry. Just... She has a fly. A fly just flew in her wine. She's picking it out, which is very distracting. Oh, but I was also it's just protein. I was it's referring to what he said about teaching or about kids with a ball in a playground. That's my currently. But you're also scooping a fruit fly out of your wine. Sorry. You weren't supposed to focus on that. You're supposed oh, to focus. Sorry. Take a dry, take a dry finger and just go boop That's and just hit it, and it'll. Stick what I've been doing for the finger. past couple minutes. Oh. It's kind of like a raccoon stumbles into the encounter. <laughs> you just gotta eat that shit. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, but no, um, sorry, I'm a teacher, and so the whole playground kid reference is my life. Yeah, it's well, it, it works really well when talking about animals, even though it really pisses people off when you relate kids to animals. Right, they're so they're so close to animals. Even though we're we're animals, 
I mean, True. I don't want to blow anybody's <laughs> mind here, but we, we are animals. Oh, I call my dogs all the time. My children are very close well, to dogs. you should probably not do that. They are. They eat off the ground. They, like, lick their butts. Like, they're so close. I have not ever seen one person able to lick okay, their that own was butt. An that was, that was, That's uh, an expression? That was hyperbolic of me to say. I they mean, do I'm actually a, eat I'm off the parent, floor. So I think it gives... Gives me license to 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 validate that. Yeah, I think our all of our little kids are tiny little primates. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> shit throwing little primates. Yep. See, they throw yeah. shit. They eat anything. Yep. They make weird noises. They pick in each other's hair. I have seen that. Other kids going yeah, up and literally chips. just like picking and <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> totally. <laughs> All right, getting back on topic. Um, <laughs> you work on the bug there. Um, no, there is co cooperative hunting behavior, though. Uh, you see it a lot with, um, uh, like, Cuban crocodiles are famous for it. I mean, they they pretty much pack hunt, so they will work together, too. Are you just dumping it out now? No, he just no, took, I didn't, he, he took to it away from me. He just literally just took it away and put it on the other side just of the desk. the bottle. <laughs> She, she's got a she has a goal you just have to reinforce the, I, the behavior once she gets the bug he's, out he's he's too add and i'm distracting him that's what the issue is and i don't even know if it's a fly that's not even a fucking but it's fly something dude black. that's just a random piece of something i don't, I don't want to drink but it's, it's too a, it's an eyelash he's he's too add and he can't focus on you and also have me sitting here doing like this. anyone can get out of here. no one's watching me they're watching him he's talking shh okay mm. I was not everyone shh. <laughs> cooperative behavior. We've been trying to get to this for about 15 minutes. I, so I, real good. I always enjoy watching people try to do problem solving tasks. <laughs> this is like, yeah, it's like watching the first chimpanzees use tools, watching her trying to get this, whatever this object is. The whole, this is a whole side discussion uh, thing. Yeah, it's it was, becoming its own thing. It was really. not supposed to. Stop bringing it up and just... It gets sadder and sadder. <laughs> and the more I'm you do it... <laughs> Is anybody even watching us anymore? I don't know. I hope not at this point. I mean, it's really gone down. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Fuck, man. So... I'm getting ready to... I'm getting ready to crack open beer number three so it could start getting wild here. <laughs> so, fuck, man. I had a question. Something about alligators. I'm sure it'll come back. Sure it wasn't about children? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so. There are lots of questions well, I... about alligators. Do, your, do you your kids help out yeah, a lot at the park? Um. Yeah, as much as they can. I mean, uh, my oldest is seven, my youngest is five, you know, and they, uh, once in a while, they jump in and want to help out. They like raking the tortoise pens, which is kind of awesome, you know, so they'll rake up the, we try to compost a lot, so they'll rake up all the leaves and make little compost piles, and then, and then they'll go and mess up the compost piles and pick out all the tree seeds that fall down and bury them like squirrels everywhere, and, you know, so... I don't know as much, as much productive good around the park as, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, they're trying and they do like to do stuff, but. But do they show that interest? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hopefully that'll carry into the future. And, you know, like at least one of them might 
that's the one thing I kind of worry about is like when I was a kid, like me now, it's like, man, I wish I had this when I was a kid. So like I'm envious of them, you know, because they get to grow up in and around this. Um, but then the question is, are they going to get jaded to it? So by the time they're an adult, is that excitement and passion still going to be there? Um, or are they just going to be like, nah, whatever, crocodile, schmockadile. I want to go be an accountant or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, because it's like, we'll see. I mean, right now they're, right now they live in their own Jurassic Park and they love it to death. So um, that's awesome. You know, they can love it for as long as they want to love it. And, and there you go. So at, at the very least, they're going to like go on in their adult life being like, yeah, I grew up on an alligator farm. <laughs> And that is like the coolest. That's thing. so pretty darn cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's, it's like, like somebody will be like, "Oh, have you ever seen Jurassic Park?" Oh, look, this. You know, it's like, it's all retro because they'll be old and we'll all be old and dead by then. Like, like I live like way into the future with like flying cars and stuff, you know. <laughs> and they'll be like getting married and having kids, and they'll be grandparents, and they'll be like, "Hey, Grandma, you ever see that old movie?" And she'll be like, "Yeah, I used to live in Jurassic." when I was a little girl. <laughs> I remember when gas only cost a dollar. But that is like, yeah, that's a a once, you know, a one-of-a-kind experience to be someone who yeah. grows up in a place like that. That's just an experience that very few people are ever going to have. It's very normal, for sure. Oh, totally. It's for but for, for someone who didn't live in Florida, it seems not that out of the ordinary. But I also have total stereotypes against Florida. And I think a lot of the America does. I fully admit that I do. But you think every, everybody, in, everybody outside of Florida thinks that Floridians like ride alligators to work. And I don't like that. But I think in my I head, every Florida. Yeah, like we don't. We don't have water skis in Florida. We ride on the backs of alligators, you know, being towed behind boats and stuff, you know, and it's. I think most Floridians have had more contact with alligators than that. I don't know about most, but yeah, the exposure is there, you know, and, um, but, but yeah, I don't know. Stereotypes. That's the thing about stereotypes, um, whether they're good or bad, they're, you know, based with some kind of sort of trickle of like reality it's basically like comedy behind every joke is a little bit of truth so you know it's like whatever perceptions you have of floridians it's based somewhat in a little bit of you know yeah yeah so i mean yeah everybody has exposure to it i mean there's alligators everywhere so you have to even if you try your whole entire life in the state of florida to stay away from them they're nearby whether you know it or not Right. Oh, there goes that other class. Again, why are you bringing (laughs) attention to my life? Keep it on Nathan and the podcast. Which, by the way, we are way over time. Let me acknowledge that. Are we? To be like a restrictive time thing? Well, I mean, we clearly have stuff to do. (laughs) We're all so busy. (laughs) Um, In rules about. We say it's two hours. If I didn't exist, there'd be unlimited time with him. 
Well, see, I, now I think there's a whole subgroup right now that's that's um, wondering how many bottles of wine you can get through oh, before we wrap. Hundred percent. That is existing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And they're wondering. I'm enjoying it. How like, much damn, do I have to drink to not me stop. under the table right now? <laughs> <laughs> like if I were to try and keep up, I'd be all like, I don't know what the hell's going on. Right wine now. is much easier to drink than beer. Yeah, we're doing okay. Uh, I don't agree. No, it's... we're talking Guinness. No way. I'd be like down. I can't. I can't savor a Guinness. It's just it's down. I'm... But wine is just like apple juice. So I mean, it literally, it's apple juice. Yeah, maybe maybe that's apple juice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she gets like the the six dollar wine off the shelf. And she's not really <laughs> drinking real wine. What is the the Boone's Farm stuff? Yeah, that's not exactly <laughs> Napa Valley Merlot or anything. Excuse me, it's called Quail Oak. <laughs> Quail oak. I think yeah. those are two things that have never actually come in contact. <laughs> <laughs> Where is this quail oak you speak of? <laughs> no, those are the best kinds, though. I mean, they do the job. And they taste like juice. Yeah. They don't taste gross, and they do yeah, the job. Exactly. So why not? And it's yeah, only $6 exactly. a bottle, man. <laughs> there you go. See, so you are the smartest, you know, uh, girl Drinker. drink drunk out there. Yeah. <laughs> why does it have to be a girl well you're a girl why can't it's i just a, be this kind of just girl drink it's, there, period it's a it's a it is it's, it's a, a it's a really girly drink kind of it's I mean, totally I marketed towards girls 100 percent. yeah i don't see any self-respecting macho man being like i'm gonna go out and get me a bottle of some quail oak <laughs> quail oak yeah. quail oak I can't think of nothing else but the quail oak. I mean, it's almost as bad as like Alize, except some rapper said Alize once. So then you had a whole bunch of macho guys being like, "I'm gonna give me some Alize, put it on ice." Anytime so I rap, it is it, good. It, it makes it cool and like hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the way of the world, man. Yeah, any like anytime a snake person says something, I own retics. That's the first one. That's the snake they one. Flex, I think. <laughs> I'm not famous or anything, but I'm going to say this, you know, because we're live. I see it in the corner right there. It says live, but uh, Cristal fucking sucks. That's a <laughs> bottle of fucking shit water. That That's the face, like asshole. <laughs> People often come here for booze recommendations. So <laughs> that's, that's really what we're all about here. Don't lose your man card drink some some you know drink some nail spit that's what we should do <laughs> Start our own like, yeah. liquor line nail spit you also can't be like so self-hating that like you you gotta act like some shitty like like you like mad dog something like that like <laughs> you know, I'm sorry, wait there's a person out there who likes md 2020 they're mostly homeless i don't know if anybody besides actually likes point. mad dog but i mean not that I'm saying it's a okay, choice that's school, made for you. That was like the easiest bottle to steal because it kind of oh, was that. That's everyone's high school yeah. one. Yeah, in D twenty twenty, and it looks like not alcoholic. It's so it the colors are all and oh god, but it's so god. gross. It is. Oh gross. man, I'm having some. Plus, we got a chance. I'm starting to feel sick thinking about it. I mean, it did just the job. write that or logo. That was my high school experience. I drink steel Four reserve logos. like a I don't know it's like steel. a man. What's, that? What's steel reserve? It's a, it's one of those high gravity hobo beers. <laughs> it's just you know like a nine percent fucking. It's like oh, it's a very high octane beer. Nat natural ice. 
yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, it's like worse it's that. worse than Natty Ice, it sounds. It's like, it's oh, what you what drink if you want to, like, piss yourself into a bush or something. <laughs> That's really it. Oh, jeez. You know what I was going to drink? You know what I was going to bring onto your little show as kind of a joke? And I don't think I could get through a full bottle of it, so I think I would have broke character. Um, I was going to I was gonna break out some Zima. <laughs> oh. I didn't even know they still made that. I'm, I'm drinking Zima. I don't, do they make it still? I don't know. But... I had a friend in high school. He thought it was the coolest thing ever. He's like, no, it's like vodka. I'm like, nah, it's like not, you're not a man anymore, dude. You cannot drink that around us. Like Zima, really? No. I'm sorry. Zima with the twist. This is just we have gone off the rails. And between y'all and the chat is even more off the rails. The chat is trying, currently trying to make jokes to make me laugh on camera and lose it on camera. They're trying to one-up each other with funny jokes, and they really are funny. So, Nathan, if you want to laugh after this. (laughs) I'll tune in after. They said, what what do you call a nurse who's unhappy with her job? Uh, What? A midwife crisis. A midwife crisis. (laughs) That's awesome. That's kind of assuming. They're pretty good. So we've become so unentertaining that they have to come up with their own comedy. <laughs> yeah, they're having their own thing. Yeah. That, the chat. That is frequently a thing that the chat can be completely different. Is that saying more different. about us or them? I don't know. I don't know. But after this, you should definitely go through and read through the chat. Yeah, I will read through the chat for sure. Sure. We have uh, jumped the shark, as they say. Uh, they're the, telling me I should just biz. get box wine next time and put a straw in it. <laughs> box wine with one of those hats with the little straws that come straight <laughs> down. That would be awesome. Like you got a NASCAR, NASCAR wine. That would... Oh my god! See now, that's what I expect out of Florida. That's just what? What, what the? the... The beer hat. The beer hats. <laughs> watching the Daytona 500. <laughs> we're not stereotype. Okay. Okay. <laughs> hear what I'm saying? You hear what, you hear what I'm screaming, man? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh my God. It's not all about left turns, man. It's like, you know, <laughs> like we just go left and left and left. We know how to turn right, too. But you ever feel one of these babies at 200 miles per hour that's still between your your arms there, brother, going left after left after left for 500 miles? <laughs> Can't beat that shit, brother. Yeah, that's funny. The fuck? Okay, so uh, I felt like I had a closing question. There was, there's no that. going back to There's no, we're so there's fucked. There's no going back. So there's no more quite, I guess, either. They're just <laughs> making jokes at our expense now. I'm surprised the yeah, chat totally is just... on 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 the logo on the shirt. I mean, I'm not knocking, you know, uh, Bruce's project there, but I, I can't. Maybe it's, you know, having the, the beers in me, but the, the, the crocodile looks somewhat pro- provocative in a way. I did not notice that. I well, I don't. Florida is just a well, little perfect. Like it's kind of dick uh, shit. Yeah, Florida itself has always been kind of the private parts of North America. Yeah, it is America schlong, for real. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's hanging low. 
<laughs> it at least it looks like we're peeing on the commies. Well, <laughs> now every time he wears that shirt, that's definitely going to be my. What is. Why is. Oh, because that's where the lake is. That's actually about. Uh, what's this lake called? I don't know. What's that? Stop lake? touching his nipple. <laughs> it's my nipple. This is my straight up nipple. What that's, is uh, lake, that's Lake Okeechobee. Come on. No, Okeechobee. Why dude. did they yeah. choose to show that? Because I'm sure there's other lakes in Florida. Why did they choose to highlight well, that? Because one? if they didn't emphasize Lake Okeechobee, then it would look like a penis. With some so they had, weird to choose, kind of, they had to choose one lake. Some kind of weird flesh-eating disease there on the on the on the inside. See how it's got that dugout spot there by Tampa? Mm. Yeah, right there. Yeah, looks like it's got some sort of problem. That's gonna be an issue. Yeah. <laughs> how, did, how did we possibly so wait, get more off topic? Him, but wait, is there really nothing special to Lake Okeechobee? Okeechobee. It's polluted as shit right now because of big sugar wow cool maybe that maybe they're based around there where does he live the it's guy... a massive 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 uh lake i mean it is impressive to see it's almost you know it's well you don't need to go to look at it to feel like you're staring at the ocean you could actually just go to the ocean because it's on both sides but i mean it's sure. a huge lake you can see it from space and some stuff so it's cool. oh, shit. some space and some stuff yeah <laughs> if you were in a spaceship, Shit. you'd be like, look at that. Look at that little <laughs> hole. That's Ogagobi. That's that leg there. <laughs> it's like a piercing sto- uh, horror story. You know, you go to a tattoo shop, they miss the fucking mark by a lot. <laughs> <laughs> what was, uh, fuck, man. Uh, closing question. What we you keep saying that. Oh, um it's wow i don't know anywhere to go i have two friends that are driving back from texas right now and if they're watching they're probably laughing at our expense so we can keep them up but have you been to texas a lot i feel like you 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 have but your mouth not not a lot i used to go out there and um help out at a couple but you know i got a couple of um colleagues slash friends that uh do some stuff out there and uh, the friends that are out there right now were doing a, uh, I don't know exactly what they were doing. They were doing some alligator related thing at some big event for these uh, out there. So they kind of travel around and do traveling alligator related things. But <laughs> Texas is kind of fun. It's, you know, it's just kind of. <laughs> yeah, it's big and there's some oil and hot and desert. Yeah. Wow. Everything pretty can explore, Texas, including the bullshit. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But isn't there a lot of bullshit in Florida too? <laughs> yeah, we are a pretty big cattle state. Yeah. <laughs> ah, I see what you did there. Literal. Got, there got, you, got a bit. you got literal on me. What? Yeah. Well, it's true, but also metaphorically speaking, there's quite a bit of bullshit here. Bullshit, if you will. <laughs> okay, so we're going to end this. For real. I've been real? I've been ducking off trying to not get caught smoking on camera, but I realize this whole time it doesn't matter that I'm leading towards the bottom corner. It literally, you can, you can do anything on this podcast. Secret time. Much. Other things have been smoked on this podcast before. It's not the first time. Oh, really? It's one of it's those. It's not podcasts. the most. Yeah. 
You can't say That's secret not... time and then oh. put it on a live podcast. That's not what secret works? time works. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, we're, we're kind of exposed to secrets. Did you have a closing question? Or well, I thought we were talking to our friends here. We are talking to our friends here. Well, we also have like a, a thousand listens on this podcast. So wow. unless we have a thousand friends, wow. stop. Oh, yeah, I don't. We do. We have okay. a thousand. Um, we're gonna actually end this closing question to every guest is always Nathan. If someone wants to reach out to you, how can they get in contact with you? You can find us on Facebook at. Uh, just search at Smoothwaters Wildlife, or I think that's the same thing for Instagram and Twitter too. But um, our website is waterswildlife.com, and they can just kind of reach out and find our phone number and email. And uh, that's how you can do that. But we're all over Are Facebook. You another question in my brain so, Why Smooth Waters? No. Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. It was available. <laughs> um, no, that's not true. Okay, so smooth waters. Uh, there's a lot historically. Like I have a uh, um, kind of marine background, family-wise, lineage-wise. So they were sailing people, people of the sea, seamen, mm. if you will. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so smooth waters was like not necessarily a good thing. You know, if I'm in your ship, it isn't going to sail. Mm. Also, that's bad. But uh, for me, when it came to crocodiles, you know, smooth waters was kind of the last thing you saw before you fucking die. Um, right before they erupt and get you. So it kind of had like a little secret meaning. But um, also, I had a pool cleaning service called Smooth Waters Pool Cleaning Service. And then I didn't change the name. So it's Smooth Waters Wildlife Park. Let's just stick with that whole crocodile danger thing. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, it doesn't sound as cool as a uh, the more fucking killing you part is a lot cooler than the pool cleaning part. But it all works. Waters, it's, it sounds like it flows. It sounds mundane and, and, and calm, but it can be just as dangerous as it seems to be calm. So it's kind of neat and punk rock kind of way. Hell yeah. James well, wants am... us to bring back our other last question, <laughs> which we're just, he we owe him. He sent us a king cake, so we owe that him. That is true. Our friend James, who's like a good supporter and always watches the podcast. And sends us food in the and mail. And sends us food in the mail. That's um, awesome. Sounds, if you don't know context, um, but he likes, ask, likes us to ask our guests, what is the weirdest food you've ever eaten? Food I've ever eaten. Oh, man, you should have asked this like a while ago when we had things to distract ourselves with so I could really give this some thought. The weirdest food I've ever eaten. Well, have you eaten alligator? Yeah, you, but yeah. I mean, that's honestly, that's not weird. That's <laughs> it. it's basically save yourself some time. If you want to know what alligator tastes like, go eat a pork chop. Because it's pretty much the same thing tastes like that except it's probably better for you it's more lean podcast but i thought it'd be rude (laughs) (laughs) well first thought he works with i thought it'd be to ask him well i've tried it you know you know just you know like who everybody in florida has tried it at some point it's a white meat it's pretty lean it's it's probably pretty good for you it's expensive as hell though so like nobody really just hey i'm gonna go out and buy a pound it nah fuck that shit 
you're going to buy pork chops or chicken. Um, I've tried shark too, you know, just to kind of see what that tastes like. And man, is that good. Um, but I don't make, I don't eat it anymore. Um, and probably not for the reasons you think. Um, I don't really necessarily, I wouldn't say I believe in karma, but I'm not going to snub my nose up at it. Um, and just in case there is something to it, I figure, you know, cause I spend a lot of time in the ocean too, uh, surfing and doing whatever. So I figure if I don't eat sharks and I don't eat alligator, they might not eat me too. <laughs> so maybe we're cool. You know, that's just our deal. That's our secret cosmic deal. I won't eat you. You don't eat me. And we'll be fine. Um, so is shark the weirdest thing? No, I still haven't thought of the weirdest thing that I've eaten. I'm like a garbage disposal, so maybe I don't know what what weird is. Um, I would say probably the weirdest thing I've ever eaten was uh, maybe like month-old Chinese food. <laughs> it still looked not bad, so I gave it a shot and didn't die and maybe it wasn't a month old maybe it was only like three weeks old (laughs) it's the same thing (laughs) some months are closer to four weeks (laughs) look at her face right now (laughs) i'm sorry did you literally shit and puke your guts for the next day that's fine that shit's so preserved i'm sure you're good it's not even real food. I don't even trust Chinese like a week after. It's not, but I guess it's not real to begin with. It always so. looks the same, yeah. Oh, Respect. God. I'm glad you're alive. Okay. After your okay. I'm glad yeah. you're alive too. Well, it builds, you know, it builds up the, you know, immune system and all that. Yeah. Stuff. So you gotta, yeah, once in a while you gotta, you know, drink like nasty water and eat raw chicken and stuff like that, you know. You heard him, guys. Don't do that. that. (laughs) You know what, though? Um, The best sushi I ever had, though, was in a weird situation. We were um, like probably the best sushi I ever had was uh, Red Snapper. That was, you know, like literally fresh out of the ocean. Mm. That's how they caught it. You know, the, the guy killed it and just took off a sliver and handed it to me right there. I mean, like within, you know, five minutes of, you know dispatching the thing and i was like god damn it was like weird for you know because i mean you don't that's not how you expect to eat your food you know what i mean wait so you didn't cook it at all you just raw fish sushimi or whatever yeah that's just raw Mm. it's raw anyway you you don't cut a sliver off a fish and then chow down right i mean it's we could have eaten it like an apple just like hey look floppy fish like all crazy like you know okay that's very primal and very like and the weird thing is i only heard of doing that only like two weeks ago someone mentioned it and i was like wait a second people just eat raw fish and now you're the second person I... you've never heard of sushi yeah no, but that's no, like different like right raw fish that is different raw fish <laughs> oh, like, or at least my head tells me it's yeah, different yeah. raw fish it's gone through some shit it's gone through a slight process more than the stuff shit out the ocean but that's probably uh, I better i don't know if you're stu- well yeah i mean it was fresh fresh i don't know yeah. i don't know how much processing like you know raw fish goes through by the time it gets to the 
shitty ass Chinese buffet that you think actually has real legit fish. fucking <laughs> USDA approved. It's sushi from the Chinese yeah. place. We don't even go to a sushi place. She eats it from um, the Chinese. Well, explain why we don't go to the real sushi place. As I don't like. I was about fish. to call you something. I can't call you on camera. Um, We've been dropping f bombs. I'm pretty sure you can call him whatever you. Oh, can it was worse than an f bomb. <laughs> it was not. <laughs> racial slur. <laughs> um, well, you didn't have to say it. Uh, against whitey white. Against people who are like, nobody cares about that. That doesn't make it better. <laughs> um, but he doesn't like fish, so I can't go to all sushi places. So I have to get my sushi from Chinese places because he, this stupid person, doesn't eat fish. Stupid person. That's so frustrating. Um, well, at least you're not stuck just getting it from like Walmart. True, because I would never trust that. <laughs> I oh, that's the weirdest thing I've ever eaten was sushi from Walmart. Like I was, was like, it was a morbid curiosity thing. I was like, this is not a good idea. Like this can't be. This is no Walmart sushi. That's just not no. And and I was like, I'm gonna do it. I might die, but I'm gonna try it. You're gonna do it to see. So, and you wish yeah. to tell another day. I don't think there was any actual meat in it anyway. I think oh, it, was, it probably wasn't even like, real rice or real seed. No. <laughs> it's, it's, um, okay, we're ending, we're ending this, guys. I, I was waiting for you to say We're it. ending this. We're ending this. Um, Dude, Tom, too, gets sushi from 7 Eleven. That's. Oh. 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 See, I'll eat the I'll eat the Jamaican beef patties from 7 Eleven, but not. not I didn't even know they had. That, that. must be a regional thing, because. The beef turnover? They don't have those they at our seven eleven. We get to throw hot awful. dogs on the rotating thing, which I will never try. And I love hot dogs, but I won't go. That's what I love about South Florida. There's a ton of people from like Trinidad and Jamaica down there and stuff like that. You can get the best like beef turnovers. Oh, it's awesome. The food down there is insane. Yeah. Hey guys. I was giving you room. You were giving room, and then we talked about and then you brought up Tom to 7 Eleven. You didn't get what room did you give me? You can't ignore that kind of You can't ignore 7 Eleven sushi. You're the teacher. You have to control the classroom because we'll just keep talking. We'll just keep going. (laughs) We're unruly. Yeah, my children are much easily more distracted than he is. You mean you totally fucked up your English, but go ahead. Is he much more distracted distracted than he is? Oh, so I'm better than your children? You're they're easily distracted. Okay, so you are not easily distracted. Oh, I'm not. Okay, cool. Wait, yeah, now I'm confused. I, I can, can wave a shiny object in their face and they are distracted. Yeah. Okay. You, I can, to get you off topic, I mean, like, to bring, to, I can't. Okay, okay sweet. And, and Nathan, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. It was my pleasure. That was 80% about animals and 20% about other random shit, which is Hobo. happens on this podcast Lickers. more than should. It, it didn't but, go off the rails until like the, you know the very end there. Yeah, by the time it goes fine. Yeah, by the time Joe was four beers is, in and yeah. I was ninety percent of a wine bottle in, that's when it happened. Yeah, and whoever's sticking through it is meant to be <sighs> here. James Lewis is questioning that I'm a teacher, yeah. and he's <laughs> really making me mad. I'm drinking. Don't. Qualified. So Nathan, <laughs> let me allow me to do the honors. Nathan, where could people reach you? Did we do this already? Where could yes, we the email con- oh, yeah, yeah, so how do we usually end this? 
in this, if you want to reach out to us, you can uh, find us on portcitypythons.com, portcitypythons on Instagram, portcitypythons on Facebook, theportcitypythons at gmail.com if you want to be old school and email us. Smooth Waters Wildlife Park. Is Nathan's. If you're in Google. the Florida, Daytona area, you should go check or out. Or if you're going to Daytona for the reptile show. Which is, I don't know when. Yes. Swing probably soon but swing by and yeah swing by and check this out on the way in or the way out because either way there you go go check out nathan and some crocodiles and alligators and lizards and tortoises and no, no snakes that he'll wrestle no any snakes. alligator he will not these snakes slithering around just in the parking lot and stuff so <laughs> there you go maybe some snakes you never know snakes it's around. the snake lot around here the snake lottery around here <laughs> so but it's fun smile all day every day so i love that fun smiles and crocodiles yep. that is such a great we need a catchphrase what do we do your catchphrase is if you made it this far you're on the team yeah it doesn't rhyme it doesn't rhyme we need a rhyming catchphrase yeah doesn't have to rhyme that's a pretty good one if you make but it, it makes it better fun. and it makes like you imagine that. like a motto the stars the stars things coming after it you know what i'm talking about when you see on like videos and stuff where it has the catchphrase and it's like is this in the a first time you know and then like it's in the arc and then it has the thing shooting out all right so i'm who cares <laughs> I've been drunk in the podcast a lot, but I don't think you ever have. So this is fun. It's a fun uh, switching of roles here. Yeah, you got, you got. I've I've had a lot of fun with drunky McDrunkum up here. Yeah. But hey, I would like to say thanks for anybody that tuned in and stuck it out with us. It's still watching. Seriously, but that's the yeah. thing. These people will watch for like five hours. I'm ready to have the time, and they want to keep watching our longest podcast. I don't know if you know Cody and Pia Bartoloni. Bar- Bar- Bartolini, something like that. Yeah, yeah, Cody. So, sure. yes, if you know Cody, you know how Cody can talk. You know. And we had yeah. Cody on the podcast. And I think it was four and a half hours. <laughs> and people watch till the end and i was trying to end it and they're like no 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 don't end it i'm like what do you it's four and a half hours long like we've been talking for so long well, and we I will stick it out and say that they're they're gonna get mad at you down there because they've been asking some questions probably and you, you have neglected your viewers yeah but their questions at this point are not one topic well so james lewis went to daytona on his honeymoon so wow that's one thing Okay, let's And he only lives in Louisiana, so <laughs> I, I don't know if he means Daytona like the reptile show or he actually went to <laughs> I the hope beach. the reptile I'm show not is sure. not his honeymoon. <laughs> I really know. Yeah, I, I, well, I don't know if you would really go to Daytona. I guess you could go to Daytona on your honeymoon. The only thing I think Daytona is good for, because uh, they don't really do spring break anymore, they do the bike fest thing, but they have like a, um, there's like two competing, okay. I'm going to try and keep this PC a little bit. Two competing um, uh, gentlemen's clubs, I guess they call them, right? You know what I'm saying? Anyway, <laughs> one of one of them has a midget stripper, and the other one has a, like, one-legged. Um, <laughs> Is like midget famous? Did you do thing. They're known for it. Yeah, it's crazy. So I'm wondering if he went to either one of those on his honeymoon. <laughs> I doubt he went on his honeymoon to. I swear, it's like they're 
those are the things that they promote. Come check out like one legged Mindy. <laughs> you know, watch her down the. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! I don't like that. Okay. And this is the more you know. <laughs> and now you know. Scares. <laughs> the acronym of Port C Python is PCP, so you can say PCP cares. Yeah, in more ways PCP than one. PCP cares. Um. Oh my god, this is so terrible. If I don't have to reiterate this now, this is not a PG podcast. That was yes, a this, is, this has definitely become 18 and up. You know, it's not as bad as Deadpool. I mean, so it's not NC7. That's, oh, that's what we're comparing ourselves to. Our podcast, Deadpool. <laughs> There's a little bit more production value in Deadpool, but I mean, Yeah, whatever. a little bit. Just time. I don't know. Oh god. Oh my God, Nathan! Thank you so much. Well, <laughs> thank you for having me. This was awesome. Thank we you. will have to come down to Florida and hang out sometime. And we have yeah. like a fucking lot. A million things in Florida, in Florida we have to see. Yeah, we need to take like a month long vacation yeah. in Florida. Florida's the thing for snakes, for or for reptiles, hundred percent. Um, and thank you, everyone. Inside who... secret. It's too on places to go. So. Ooh. Oh shit. Ooh, I like that. Thank you everyone who watched in the in the live stream and everyone who listened. Thank you to Ryan talking about quad amputee nugget oh, porn. God, please the- stop. You did not have to bring that up. I'm trying to end this. I'm trying to end this. Thank you to everyone who watched this live stream and thank you to everyone who downloads the audio version that will be released. <laughs> if you're listening to this right now. That will be released tomorrow when Joe makes the audio version and it'll be available anywhere that podcasts are found. Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, Podcast, anywhere else. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. We will see you next week. Goodbye. Later.